Welcome to the Bayesian Conspiracy. I'm Ian Brodsky. I'm Stephen Zuber. And today we have no Jace. Jace is feeling very sick and out of it, so we are going not solo. Duo? Duo. Yeah. Not not COVID sick, though. No, no. Think, at least not, not as far as we know. Mm, I think I think it is dead. Yeah. So. yeah. so I think we're okay. Uh, but yeah, you will have to be only having one-third the conspiracy today. Or one-third less. Two-thirds the conspiracy. Math. <laughs> Uh, let's, we're well, already maybe, we're already fucked. <laughs> I mean, Jace might be two thirds of the conspiracy all by himself. So that, that's uh, I, I hope you guys don't have a terrible episode with just the two of us here. We're off to a great start. I know, right? Making excuses about how terrible everything's going to be. Set like expectations low, man. <laughs> Life pro tip: In Metropolitan Man, last episode or two ago, there was that uh, Lois was complaining about how Clark would like set himself up to like, oh yeah, he he acts like he can't do stuff, but he can. Yeah, and that's. She compares him to Clever Hans the horse, mm-hmm. and it's like the thing is, if you're really good at math, you don't need uh, you don't need people to think you're a horse. <laughs> so, I love that so line. Brian and I are very familiar with the with the phrase uh, overpromise and under or wait underpromise and overdeliver. Right, right, right. So the same uh, the Scotty thing. I think Brian even referenced the Scotty thing, didn't he, in the last episode? What's what's that? Uh, Scotty in one of the TNG episodes, they unfreeze Scotty from the original series, and uh, when Lavar. Picard asks him, you know, how long is this going to take? LeVar gives him a decent estimate. And after the comms are down, Scotty's like, what the hell did you tell him that mm-hmm. for? It's like, because that's how long it's going to take. Mm-hmm. You never tell him how long it's going to take. You add on two days. <laughs> and then when you under-deliver or when you over-deliver, they think you're a miracle worker. That's right. Yeah. Scotty, I, not a very, very ethical person. I hear a rule of thumb for that. I got, and he must have been joking, but it was from an architect at my first job. And he's like, whatever your estimate, double it and then increment the unit if you think it's gonna take two days it'll take four weeks right <laughs> but th- that's i mean but that's just good uh what is the what is the term? optimizing for planning fallacy yes, yes yes right yeah whereas i in star trek i don't think they have to optimize for the planning fallacy because they're so perfect at everything that's right yeah. they've got a spot who can get it down to the millisecond it's pretty awesome yep yeah all right so oh maybe that maybe that's what it was scotty was the only rationalist on the crew so he was always optimizing for the planning fallacy <laughs> All right, I, I'd, I'd like him more now. Good. Plus, he was always just, like, jolly and fun, so... That 70s series was weird, man. It was so 70s. Anyways, Stephen, should we get into the less wrong post like we always do at the top of every episode? Let's do it. Okay. Our first less wrong post is the meditation on curiosity. It starts out with what might seem like a tangent at first, uh, but it's something I really like because it, you know speaks to the writer in me i was gonna say <laughs> uh it starts out with saying roger zelazny once distinguished between wanting to be an author versus wanting to write mark twain said a classic is something that everyone wants to have read and no one wants to read which first of all very true right yeah i mean every now and then people do read a classic and they really like it i he one of the uh co-hosts of the reason podcast is reading through moby dick right now which from everything i've heard is just a terrible idea They've heard it's not a very good book as far as books go, but she's really liking it. So maybe there's uh, maybe there's something to be said for some of these classics. I think there's a difference too between being forced to read something and being like, you know, pursuing it at your own interest. Yeah, that's true. And so so much of the quote classics you, I was forced to read in school and therefore never read. Mm-hmm. And uh, although I do remember an Amaki chapter from the Methods of Rationality, there was a two sentence summary of Moby Dick that I really liked. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Was it? Uh, revenge on what the whale no i think i'd rather just get on with my life yeah and i didn't realize until sometime later that the author that was Inyash brodsky oh cool yeah yeah that yeah that was fun the that was your first published short story (laughs) (laughs) 
was it? <laughs> but no, I don't know. I think it also matters like who determines what the classics are. Like a lot of the classics of the um, music canon are were just decided by people who I don't have a great deal of respect for, and same with the like the literature canon. Whereas like the classics of cinema are generally decided on sort of by popular. Well, I guess the Academy has some say in that, but a lot of the stuff when people tell you this is a classic, they mean like this is a great movie, and people would enjoy watching it. Yeah, it's just old. I mean, so th- th- it's a bit of a digression from the from the post, but like my my thoughts on that, like we watched uh, Terminator Two. Yeah, and that's definitely like, an action like, classic. Th- this is a classic movie, and like yeah. I don't know if, what where the list of classics are if it's on it, right? But like when when my wife hears that from me, she knows what to expect. Right. I'm like, you know, '80s movies. This is this is the perfect '80s movie. Yeah, buckle in. We're gonna have a fun two hours, right? Yeah. Um, like it doesn't mean that it's necessarily good, mm-hmm. and even although it, in this case it is, it is. right? Yeah. Uh, but like we watched. Um, uh, I mean, Predator actually was great too. I'm trying to think of like mm-hmm. a bad classic that. Well, it doesn't matter. Point is, uh, like that. Then, as as long as I'm going to rant at the Academy, I don't think Endgame got nominated for anything. Right. And so that tells me that they're completely dis- disconnected from the populace because it made the most money of any movie ever. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, oh, so you guys aren't basing this on like what people actually like to watch and spend their money on. So what are you guys spending it on? What you like? Fuck you guys. Well, I know I've ranted about this before, but Pulp uh, Pulp Fiction lost the year that it went up. And I think, what was it? Forrest Gump won, which is a fine movie. But like you compare the two and one of them is groundbreaking and the other one is just a schmaltzy feel-good movie. And that makes sense why one would get nominated, right? Because it's... <sighs> Because who, who, who's going to stand up in front of the crowd and be like, no, you know which one wins? This one with, you know, a bunch of uh, swear words and, and murders and graphic But the thing and... is, like, they're supposed to recognize groundbreaking new artistic achievements. No, nah, they're all about just patting each other on the back for being warm and fuzzy, man. Yeah. And a lot of it is like, you know, which movie is the best about uh, showing that we are good white people who aren't racist but still love our country but are also really liberal? I think that's why Forrest Gump did so well. I haven't seen Forrest Gump, oh. but I know enough of the plot. And there's a subreddit I like called Shitty Movie Details. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I saw this yesterday. Forrest named his boat Jenny because, like Jenny, everybody be riding it. <laughs> God, <laughs> that is so fucked up. <laughs> I don't know enough about Jenny other than the fact that I guess she had sex with lots of people in the movie or something. She was just a perfectly normal 60s chick who oh. happened to be attractive. Fair enough. And I... then like she had to get punished uh, by it for uh, by getting AIDS because oh. it's that kind of movie. See, I haven't seen the movie. Yeah. All, all I know is that he runs long enough to grow a beard. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's like I said, it's it's not a bad movie at all, but it's not certainly not groundbreaking. Yeah. It's more like, you know, if you are a good American, these are the values you believe in. The other reference I know to it is from Tropic Thunder, but we can't go into that, so <laughs> such a good movie. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. Back to the post. <clears throat> um, yes. Wanting to be an author versus wanting to write, which are distinctly different things i mean and i can relate to that and this is not digression this is just another point from non-writer there are lots of things like people want to be accomplished but not to work to accomplish stuff yeah. right and like everyone wants to, everyone wants to be respected and esteemed but mm-hmm. getting there seems hard yeah it'd be great just to fast track and be like look i've got the respect and esteem of all my peers yeah yeah, yeah. well and for those people like the problem is like putting in the work it's just work whereas people who just want to write or people who just want to noodle around on their guitar all day they they already want the thing that is going to get them that esteem. So it's sort of a byproduct. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. Like most of the great guitarists are people who just love fucking around with the guitar for hours and hours every day. I wonder if there are musicians who really hate music that got popular. 
I'm, no doubt, like in the age where people are being selected as children, you know, Britney Spears or something. Yeah. You know, that, that probably happens, but maybe not as far back as like, well, I was going to say maybe not the 70s, but I don't know if Michael Jackson would have gotten into music if his parents hadn't forced him. I mean, I think, I mean, the boy bands are a good example. The, a lot of the 80s hair bands were, you know, one or two members would be really into the music, but you could tell a bunch of them were just in it for the, the girls and the money. And uh, Two good reasons to get into music. Right, yeah. but it's not going to lead you to make really wonderful art. Yeah, the lack of passion. Yeah, it's yeah. Gonna, you're, you're going to just make whatever you think is going to get the most radio plays. Anyways, yep. long digression. Uh, continues on saying, uh, so uh, this this is comparing to uh, curiosity because that's what the topic's on. Uh, Eliezer says, criticizing yourself from a sense of duty leaves you wanting to have investigated <laughs> so that you'll be able to say afterwards your faith is not blind, but it's not the same as wanting to investigate, which I guess is everything we were just saying. Yeah, and it's a great distillation of it. Yeah. I, I I think that this should have been on the, like, the back cover blurb of Rationality AI to Zombies, but I think he summarized Eliezer's writing perfectly when he said it has like some of the best information to word count ratio of anything I've ever read. Mm-hmm. That that sentence is a perfect blurb yeah. for, for everything in this, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. You'll want to be able to say afterwards that your faith is not blind because you have wanting to have investigated. Yeah, look, I did the work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a good, uh, you know, rational believer in this. Yeah. Yeah, and he says that as long as that is your main motivation, then, you know, you'll consider an objection and then a counter-argument to the objection and then you'll stop. Or maybe you'll repeat with several objections until you feel that you have done your duty and then you will stop. As opposed to when you're really curious, you'll gravitate to inquiries that seem most promising of producing shifts in beliefs or inquiries that are least like the ones you've tried before. Like you'll just want to know what's actually the case and you'll keep looking until you're satisfied that you're as close as you can get. Yeah. And I mean, we were looking at COVID charts right before we started recording mm-hmm. and like the the numbers in Colorado look great. I think even nationwide, we, you know, there's a big dip in cases. You start um, vaccinating a bunch of people. It's amazing how that happens. I know, right? And like the holidays are over and stuff too, which yeah. helps. But um, yeah, it's so like it, but it, but if I was like, if I was motivated to want to see stuff like that so that I could go back out to restaurants, hmm. then like I might stop looking, right? Um, like, oh, great, look, numbers are down. We only had 1,200 cases last week in Colorado that were reported. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, that's not that's not true curiosity, and I actually want to know what the real state of the world is, right? So I can't just stop at the one bit of happy thing that I've seen, and then when I encounter arguments, show them that graph and justify myself, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I will say that I, I know I've made this argument before in our podcast, no less, but at this point, we're going on, what, four years? At least. Yeah, maybe longer. So it may have been a long time. Uh, but we were once discussing religion. And it's it's been my position for a long time that you don't need to have any sort of necessarily anti-religion mimetic device. Um, all you really need to teach people, to instill in people, is a love of truth. Like, if you really instill in someone a love of truth strong enough that they're going to pursue and try to find out what truth is... They're eventually going to stumble across the scientific method. They're going to stumble across the critical thinking because these are the things you find when you want to know what's actually true. And like you you find your own way out of religion if you care about what's true on a deep enough level because, you know, it's it's <laughs> it's very easily demonstrably false. <laughs> so yeah. there's a lot of societal shit to get over. But once you get over that, if you have a deep enough commitment to truth that you're willing to 
you know, take the hits in whatever social standing you need. You're like, I don't, I don't care if this will make me unpopular in my church. Like, I really want to know the truth enough. You eventually get yourself out of religion. Like, yeah. that's all you really need. And it, it's one of the one of the components of that is like you learn how to ask good questions. Yeah. And part of that is being curious. Yeah. yeah. And then you realize very quickly there are no good answers. Right. Like, and I, I have a religious deconversion story that is like apparently so uh, seemingly sincere that I've, I've been accused of it, of me making it up. Hmm. Like the, the short version is like at some point when I was like 11, like in sixth grade, I learned something about how, you know, the, the very pleasant history of the United States when Columbus, you know, brought Christianity to the United States. Yeah. And I'm like, wait, there weren't Christians before? My understanding was that you had to be to not go to hell. Mm-hmm. And I asked my parents about that and... My dad was like, yeah, that's where faith comes in. I'm like, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> and so then I ask around. And that's where I, stopping asking questions comes in. <laughs> yeah. And so then I, 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 as, as this went on over the years, I, I asked my, fr- my, my friends and peers of various religions, like, what are, what are your religions, what reasons for believing that God exists? Because I was actually curious. Yeah. I came from a position of wanting this to be real because that would be great. And I'm like 15 trying to figure this out. And then I found that, like, I, I, I finally just like, I had asked a a Mormon friend and she was just stoked that someone was asking her about it. And she Mm -hmm. got me a book of Mormon and, and I'm like, well, no, no, I'm just more curious. Like what, what the reasons are like, why, why does your religion think that this is true? Mm -hmm. And she didn't, I don't think she'd ever been like asked that question before. And so then it sort of just comes out to, I think Sam Harris is still this way that there aren't like a hundred reasons for believing in religion. There are three, one, uh, like you think you're religious or there are a hundred reasons for believing that, uh, or for saying that God, I, for, long story short, mm-hmm. there aren't, there aren't a litany of great reasons for it. Right. Mm-hmm. There's like a handful of the same ones, some version of the creation argument, mm-hmm. some version of, uh, we need this for morals or some version of, uh, meaning. Right. Yeah. Like, and I, 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 I'm, those aren't the same three that he gave cause he's answering a different question, but like the, the, when you think about it, like those aren't good reasons to believe something yeah. like, uh, the, the creation argument is the most compelling of the three, until you look at other explanations for stuff right. and like the lack of meaning and the lack of morals. That's not, that's not how the world works. Right. Yeah. Sure. It'd be nice if it did, mm. but no, I mean, you know, why, why did we evolve from uh, like apish fuzzy ancestors? There's no moral in that. There's, there's no meaning necessarily there. Yeah. Um, like that, that, that's not how truth is uncovered. Yeah. And so I, I came to the reluctant conclusion in my mid-teens that like, oh, I guess this just isn't true. Yeah. And I, I remained open to it for a while. And then it kind of switches to the other kind of this this post where then it's just fun to argue. Yeah. Like once I came down and like, all right, God isn't real. Then I had a couple fun years of the new atheist stuff. This was right around that boom and, mm-hmm. you know, arguing with people and enjoying all that. So Yes, that yeah. was actually a really good time. Yeah. Wow. I'm kind of surprised like how that was really enjoyable, whereas culture war stuff is just hell. I think discourse has gotten worse. Yeah. I mean, I'm now old enough to say that thing. There was a great bit on SNL last night uh, during Weekend Update. They had two people on who were like pro-cancel culture. Mm-hmm. And they're like, it's not going far enough. We need to start canceling children. And so they pull up like Twitter. And like the last one was this baby. And it's like, this baby cried when they were delivered by an African-American doctor. <laughs> Cancel this baby. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's, yeah, maybe it's just that the stakes are higher. Like before, if you went into a chat room and you argued for or against atheism, you wouldn't lose your job. You wouldn't be outcast. No one knows who the fuck you are. Yeah, Yeah. right? And now it's like, yeah. Well, I think even now, like... People will try to destroy your life for for arguing these sorts of things. And I I, maybe it happens, but I'm not... And I'm sure it happens in deep religious cultures, but I've never heard of anyone being attacked, like, 
you know, trying to get fired because they're non-religious, right? I mean, it like, would happen. It, it would Back happen. In the 80s, 90s. Well, I mean, sure. Even before yeah. then, like in the 50s, if you said oh, yeah. you were an atheist, I meant, I meant unemployable. since like 2000 during the new atheism stuff. Okay, yeah. Yeah, back in the day, they babies, don't you know? Like, mm-hmm. that, I mean, that, that, that was the thing. But like now, you know, you, you can make up allegations and say, yep, this person's uh, non-religious. So I, I hear they're a child molester and go talk to their boss. But you can't get them fired for not being non-religious anymore, really, in most no. places. Nowadays, no. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. the fable of science and politics showcases the reactions of different characters to an astonishing discovery. Ferris, the last character, embodies the power of innocent curiosity, which is lightness and an eager reaching forth for evidence. And uh, this was one of the very early posts. I remember we did cover it, and I think, didn't I know we all read different parts from it, didn't we? Mm-hmm. I want to go back and look that up. But yes, uh, th- that was the one where living underground culture who has a big culture war over whether the sky is blue or green and which they've never point, seen it which is a pointless thing to care about when you live underground but that's that's how cult that's how you know that shit happens tribal politics happens yeah yeah and then uh the the ground cracks open from this one really far expedition team and they see the sky and it's all about their reactions to seeing what the actual color is one covers up the hole and says i can't tell people this and yes <laughs> One freaks out, and then one's like, oh, what else is out here? Yeah. That's supposed to be the nice, happy one. Yeah. You know, backtracking just a little bit about the religion thing, I have some sympathy now for people who think, like, religion might be necessary for social cohesion to have, like, a society that functions. I don't think that's necessarily the case, but, like, I understand their point of view. But I think that's where, like, if you care enough about knowing the truth and saying the truth... You just don't care. You're like, if society can't handle it, then that which can be destroyed by the truth should be, right? Like, it's true. And I love truth so much that fuck you and you're crazy, you know, this is what is needed for society to function. But at that point, you know, if that's actually true, the people who stick to truth opposed to lies are going to die out. And the people who um, are okay with lies for social sake will prosper. I'd be willing to draw the line somewhere at you know the the like like you said the the at the conclusion of that i don't i can't think of a truth that might cause that but like if if the widespread acceptance of this fact would you know lead to the end of the world or the end of civilization i think it'd be okay to like all right you know what let's not turn over that rock until we're ready right i think i mean there are some rationalists who are religious which i think is nuts but i believe their argument is something akin to these um things that were invented were done for the purpose of keeping civilization from falling apart and we got to preserve that and i disagree with them but like because now there's is, evidence to the contrary yeah, yeah but that is that is the the one sympathetic argument i can think of for religion and yeah. i i'm it's so disingenuous i can't think that the, that that that's their actual reason well but and maybe. also like then you have to tell your children what you know is a lie. It's like living in... You saw that Shyamalan movie, The Village? Yeah. Yeah, not a very good movie, but it would be like living in the village and telling everyone things that you know are lies because you think it's better for them. And like, fuck that. I'm trying to think. Uh, I mean... I don't know. I if, if given time and if we wanted to spend the episode on this, I could generate examples. You know, like if, if COVID worked differently or something mm-hmm. and like... I'm trying to think of a of a plausible way that this could work, but like lying to everybody and saying yes, actually staying home is the only way to stay safe. When in fact, wearing masks is plenty, but like you just know that won't work. Mm, right. Then like, all right, look, everybody, because we had this experiment in 2020, yeah. y'all won't wear masks. So look, if you go outside, there's a 50 percent chance you'll die. Like if we just told everyone that for a month, this would have been over, right? 
No, because people wouldn't have done it, and then they would have seen that they didn't die. It'd be like Dare, where they told all the kids, drugs will kill you forever, and then some kids did drugs and they didn't die, and the whole program falls apart. All right, so you go full conspiracy with this and start spraying people to go outside with drones that get them sick and kill them. <laughs> okay. Enough, enough people walk outside and die, then, yeah. you know, then the word catches on. Right. I mean, then you got to murder a lot of people, though. Yeah. You might have been better off just murdering them whether or not there was a COVID. <laughs> I mean, everyone knows that birds aren't real. They're just waiting to come by and spray you with these germs anyways. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. If anyone's curious, birdsaren'treal.com. <laughs> I discovered that on a, on a laptop sticker when I was walking by it at the office back oh. when offices were a thing. And I was like, I, I did a double take and I was like, what the fuck is this? And I, <laughs> I spent a glorious hour reading this website. <laughs> awesome. All right. So... <clears throat> Uh, he has a cool quote here. If in your heart you believe you already know, or if in your heart you do not wish to know, then your questioning will be purposeless and your skills without direction. Curiosity seeks to annihilate itself. There is no curiosity that does not want an answer. Uh, which is just a cool quote. But then the rest of the post goes into, you know, what if you're stuck in a situation where you just aren't curious about a thing, but you still feel like you have a duty to, to investigate? Like, what do you do there? I'm trying to think of an example of something that I really don't care about. So the first examples I was thinking of came from a post that I read called "The Things You're Not Allowed," the, the things you cannot say. Okay. I think, um, I think it's like a 2004 internet post from back wherever things were posted on the internet in 2004, mm-hmm. and it's on the audio podcast. Uh, shoot, it's on the tip of my brain. I'll find it. Anyway, it's a great thing, and it does like audio readings of lots of blog posts, not just from Less Wrong or Slate Star Codex, even though that was kind of the idea at first. But the podcast is called Second Enumerations, and it's not in the store. you got to go find the website and click the RSS feed to download it. And they stopped updating in 2017, but um, it's, it did, I think, 16 episodes. And one of them was on the uh, this this post called um, The Things You Cannot Say, okay. and or what you, can, what you Can't Say, that's what it was. And so it's written from the point of view of a very curmudgeon professor at, at Cambridge or somewhere. So he's, he's, he gives like all these examples of... Uh, you know, imagine like, you know, think of the things you can't say for various reasons, like they're heretical or they're, and he didn't use the word because it wasn't popular in 2004, but problematic is the word I'd use now. Hmm. If someone says that's problematic, then it's like, okay, that's a good lazy reason to, you know, that's basically calling it heresy. Mm -hmm. And so think of the problematic thing, statements that you can think of. Those are things that may or may not actually be true, especially the first things that come to mind, Mm -hmm. right? Like if there was uh, a violence discrepancy between men and women or an intelligence discrepancy between men and women or um or between races right if there's any discrepancy between races yeah on anything really and so like you know there are some places where you'd be like yeah it's racist to say that some people are taller than others right um and so like these are the things that uh like i bring all this up because I don't really care hmm. if there's if there's truth value to those things. Okay. So what what ought I to do there? I guess just let other people do the homework, and when something comes out, believe it. I suppose. Let's let's see what the post has to say, right? Yes, we can do that. Uh, the post says one of the things you can try is to try to take an interest in your investigations, They're your duty fill duty full investigations, and keep a close eye out for any sparks of genuine intrigue or even genuine ignorance that you desire to resolve. And, you know, if you can find one of those sparks of something that actually does interest you, jump on it. Yeah. Like a random tidbit, tidbit I heard some long time ago was like tall people on average make more money. Yeah. Um, but like... Statistically. Statistically, yeah. yeah. But I haven't verified that because I really don't care. Okay. I guess because I can't make myself taller. Right. Right? So right. like uh, if you there was... wear like bigger heeled shoes. <laughs> I go into an interview and I'm suddenly six feet tall and <laughs> as, long as, as long as I'm not sitting down, they don't notice. Yes. <laughs> 
And even when you are sitting down, you can like have pads under your butt or something. <laughs> You're just like, I just got a really nice round butt, guys. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Another thing you can do if you can investigate honestly so that each new point really does have equal potential to shift your belief upwards or downwards, this may help to keep you interested or even curious about the microprocess of inquiry. Yeah, I guess for things I just generally don't care about, that's fine. As long as I do that for things I do care about, maybe is the point, yeah. right? Um, it's really hard trying to find an interest in things that don't really interest you. Yeah, and so like may- maybe if a surprising result came out, that mm-hmm. would be something that would spark my interest. Mm-hmm. Um, if it if it if a result came out that said, uh, you know, um, Midwestern white guys born in the late '80s or early '90s have the highest violence, you know, predis- genetic predisposition of any humans on history in history. Yeah. I'd be like, wait, really? I don't feel very violent. Let me, let me, let me research because that, that I'm curious. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but then the proper use of that curiosity would not be to go try and refute it, but to say what's going on here. Yeah. Yeah. I get the feeling that like, obviously this isn't the case for most people, but do you get the feeling that people get less curious as they get older? Yeah. I mean, I think that's almost tautologically true, right? I, you get like you get little kids banging pans together to see what sound it makes. And, yeah. Um, I don't know, dropping things to see how high until they break. The kids are little scientists. Yeah. Until they make too much noise and you tell them to shut up, and then they the the spirit of science is stamped out of them. Well, I mean, I think part of that is as in, once you've banged enough pots and dropped enough things, you know what sound they make. So you that's not a thing that sparks curiosity anymore. You're like, yeah, I know what how it's going to sound like. But like just in general, just general curiosity drive seems to wane as people get older, right? Maybe. Yeah, that, that that's probably true. Especially I, mean, I know it's like, not true of all people. There's some people who are super curious right into old age, but it seems like as a general statistical thing. Well, like then you, you kind of extrapolate out the, the making pan, making noises with pans thing. You know, if you're 75, you've made all the noises and, you know, looked at all the things. And it's like, yeah, I, I don't really care to bang these two things together because I'm pretty sure I know what it sounds like because yeah. I've done it 10 times before. And that's true for everything they encounter and not, not just making things, making noise, but Maybe that's investigating beliefs. Re, uh, retain their curiosity longer because they run into more and more things that they don't know the answer to so they keep wanting to know yeah whereas like you know if you're an expert wood carver by the time you're 70 there's not much more for you to learn about wood so you're just not very curious anymore then again if someone came along and told you like oh my god did you know that you know kamagong is the the best thing to build a a, a, a canoe out of or something mm. you'd be like wait a minute no way that wood's way too heavy i could see that sparking interest yeah but it, it maybe it maybe it varies like i'm trying um, to i'm trying to f- right now i'm spitballing like is it a bi is it a biological thing where just your hormones change as you get older and we are more naturally you know inclined through the various hormonal reasons to be more curious when you're younger and as your hormone profile changes if that curiosity fades away and if this is something we could fix in the transhuman future by like you know I I would like to be curious again for a number of years. Let's amp, you know, alter my home run level so that I'm back to that sort of childlike wonder. Or if this is purely like a a matter of what you already know and what you are encountering your daily life not being interesting anymore. Yeah, I I don't know anything about hormones. I'm I'm guessing it's more the second thing. But I you know I'm open to believing whatever if someone had evidence. But I. I think it's more just like, yeah, I've seen a hundred of these, you know, they're, they're probably like the other hundred I saw. I think it's probably mostly those things, but that might be part of why, you know, there's such like this association with, you know, giddiness and, uh, wonderment in general with, with taking a psychedelic drug mm. because suddenly all your experiences are novel again. Yeah. It's like being a child yeah, yeah. and it's like, I didn't know I could hear, I didn't know, didn't know I could see, cu- see sounds and taste <laughs> colors and like, I've still never been able to do that. Have you been able to do that? Not quite. No, okay. but I mean, I, I get like, I've had 
visualizations in my head to noises that I'd never had before. Okay. But it's, I've never seen color or seen, you know, color when sound goes off or something. Yeah. Um, but even then too, things are still weird enough that like it puts you in this light, curious mode or something, right? Right. right. Um, so maybe, maybe something kind of like that, just because that's a n- new novel thing, unless things are novel when you're a hundred years old. Cool. Um, so yeah, Litany of Tarski again is brought up here. Um, if the box contains a diamond, I, be- I desire to believe that the box contains a diamond. If the box does not contain a diamond, I desire to believe the box does not contain a diamond. Let me not become attached to beliefs I may not want. It's a good one. Meditate upon the possibility that there is no diamond. The subsequent advantage that will come to you if you believe that there is no diamond. And the subsequent disadvantage if you believe there is a diamond. There's a great tie-in here to the New Atheist stuff. This was a good, fun argument in one of Sam Harris's books, either The End of Faith or Letter to a Christian Nation, where people talk about like the community-building aspect of religion. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know, that's fine, but you don't need that for, for uh community building and imagine how absurd it would be if you just did it around a blatant lie because of like the joy it brought to you like oh yeah every sunday my family and i get together in the backyard and dig because we believe for the sake of our our family community that there's a diamond in the backyard the size of a refrigerator (laughs) and so we get together every weekend and dutifully dig in the backyard and it's a great way to bring the family together and like how insane is that right Mm -hmm. um so i like that they're all set into diamonds because yeah diamonds are tight (laughs) It ends, I think this is near the end anyway. I'm not sure if it's the last sentence. If you can find within yourself the slightest shred of true uncertainty, then guard it like a forester nursing a campfire. If you can make it blaze up into a flame of curiosity, it will make you light and eager and give you and give purpose to your questioning and direction to your skills. I love it. And the opposite of medita- meditating on curiosity is single think, basically. No, not quite. Not opposites. But no. a, a way to not meditate properly on curiosity is single think. Assuming I'm understanding this correctly. I, I don't think you are. Okay. Then maybe I'm, I'm paraphrasing it poorly. Okay. To me, I'm thinking like, I've got my rehearsed reason for this. Yeah. So I'm no longer curious. Or like, I don't, I don't care about the true explanation because I've got my explanation already. Okay. No, I mean, like, that's definitely a thing. I'm not sure that's what he meant by the word single think, though. All right. Then yeah. l- let's actually get into it. Okay. Next, ch- next uh, post is single think. Um, and if you go way, way, way back in the show, Eliezer told this story on the episode of the podcast he was on. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, cool. I know I'd heard it before, but then I thought, I must have heard it before because I've read this before. He talked about it, I think. Uh, yeah, I definitely remember that, I think. Well, shoot, we should... Um. <laughs> I'm saying we should link that. I think it was like episode six, though, and our audio quality was awful, and we didn't have the good mics yet, and... We were back when we were recording in a closet. Yeah. Yeah, it was episode three or four. It was our, way early. Our three or four. Our patrons have saved us and made the audio quality much better. We will link the old episode if you want to hear earlier or speak, but... Uh, yeah, it, it's bad quality. This was before we had uh, all the, the good tech and good money that you guys have brought to us. So thanks for that. And practice. And practice. Yeah, that's made a big difference too. All right. So <laughs> you summarized it. Eliezer wouldn't go through the spank machine. He thought it was out of principle to not hurt others. And then he realized it was just because he didn't want to hurt. Mu- he didn't want to be hurt much later. Yeah. The spank machine in this case was like handing out wiffle bats to everybody and like banging each other on the head, wasn't it? It wasn't. No. Le- it was legit a spank machine? It, yeah, it was one of those, you know, you have to crawl through the legs of all the other kids and they spank you as you go through. Oh, I thought it was the I thought it was the bat thing. No, not according to the post. Oh, okay. Either I'm misremembering what he said or he misremembered the story when he told it to us. Okay. I'm going to give equal weight to either of those chances. I'm misremembering something. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, so, yeah, yeah the, the thing was, is like, when he was a kid, he was like, oh, yeah, I, I did it out of principle because I didn't like the idea of hurting other kids. And I thought that was terrible. And then I realized when I was 15, look, or ish, looking back, be like, that wasn't why. I just didn't want to get hit. <laughs> yeah. It's like, obviously, that was it. Yeah. And then there's this moment of realizing, 
oh, I knew that the whole time. Mm-hmm. I was lying to myself to give a noble reason. Mm-hmm. And that's what it feels like to like the the subjective feeling of, oh, so that's what it's like to shove an unwanted truth into the corner of my mind. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Now I'm going to do this for every unwanted truth in my head. Yeah. In all my corners. Yeah. It's one thing to say that. It's harder to do that. Yeah. Um, and that was what he called in his teens single think. Because as opposing to Orwell's old uh, double think, George Orwell's old double think thing, which is when you forget something and then you forgot that you've forgotten. So like you can have thought something and now you think something else. And he said single think is when you uh, when you notice that you're forgetting something, but then you remember it and you hold on to the single non-contradictory thought. I thought double think was the thing of like where, you know, two plus two is five because you know it's four. Then you have to think again to give the right answer. I that I also agree. I think he is not correct about what double think is in this, in okay. this essay. Because, yeah, to me, I mean, yes, part of 1984 was the whole forgetting and then forgotten that you've forgotten. But like you can't right that's that's part of what double think is is that you can think two things at once and not notice that they're different because you've internalized this this lie so so deeply already. right that that's that's what i think about it i mean it's definitely possible to forget something and then forget that you forgot it yeah and then learn a an untrue fact after the fact like oh i just learned this and not know that you're lying to yourself but that's that doesn't sound like double think that just sounds like being forgetful yeah yeah <laughs> Whereas double think is like intentionally lying to yourself. Yeah. And like reflexively lying to yourself. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like your conscious mind never catches on to it. Right. But at some point you you know because you have to. Like Draco, you have to know what you have to excuse on some level. Yeah. This this similar point is made in that essay that I mentioned on the other podcast, uh Second Enumerations, what you can't say by it doesn't say. So in the description of the pretty episode if i clicked it it would but um yeah anyway um that that's that's sort of exactly what he comes up with it's like yeah you think of all these things and then you think oh no i can't think those things yeah 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 and the single think was yeah i i can't think those things after all and the, and so i single, should because it's true single think was what just realizing that you had shoved a a truth into the corner of your head to not look at i think single think was like realizing that you had double thought and correcting for it is okay a good way of putting it all right i can dig it Cool. And yeah, you already said in double think you forget and then forget you've forgotten. In single think you notice you are forgetting and then you remember. You hold only a single non-contradictory thought in your mind at once. Right on. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That All was a short one. Good. All right. So next time we've got no one can exempt you from rationality's laws and a priori. Or if you're British, a priori. Really? Or wait, maybe that's the English pronunciation. I don't know. I learned philosophy from a British guy on an audiobook when I was 15 named Colin McGinn. Uh, the audio series was called Eternal Questions, Timeless Approaches, okay. I think. And when you I, would say a priori? I think he said a priori. A priori. I, but I remembered him saying or a priori if you say it wrong or something. I can't remember exactly how it came. But uh, yeah, when I was when I was 15, that's what I wanted for Christmas was this uh, philosophy lecture series from cool. Barnes & Noble. <laughs> <laughs> you won that? No, I wanted that. Oh, you wanted yeah, that? So, so that's that's what I, cool. That's what I got. Oh. I, I, that makes me sound way like more ahead of the nerdy curve than I actually was. Um, in other regards, I guess I was perfectly average 15 year old, but I was really interested in that stuff at that time. Cool. I was 15 or 16. I mean, you were 15 year old enough to get into a game of chicken with weird people in a different car, right? 
There's nothing philosophical about that, man. <laughs> I'm just saying that's that's a very 15 year old thing to do. You know, I I reflect on this every time I think about my childhood and those those random adventures. The fact that we never had to call our parents from the hospital or the police station blows my fucking mind. Yeah. And none of us ever like none of us ever got really hurt. You know, even if you fell off the car while car surfing, just light scratches. Oh my god! Yeah. you car surfed? Yeah. Holy crap! More okay. often, more often than it would be like where instead of standing on it because that turned out to be you know very easy to fall, mm. you would hold onto the back windshield like a Terminator in the movies. Okay, okay. And so you could get a grip around like the little rubber edges of the windows on either side, yeah. and then feel your feet swing when they're trying to shake you off, and none of us ever fell off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we were dumb. Yeah, I I didn't go that far. <laughs> Maybe I was just boring. Uh, you're probably better for it. I, I Like I said, I think we beat the odds. <laughs> yeah. All right, so those are the posts for next time. What are we talking about this week, Inyash? This week we are talking about an article titled, Provocatively, Hate is the New Sex. Um, and I, I think this is going to be an interesting discussion because of the way <laughs> you described it when you first showed up at my place. You, you, what, what was it you said? I, I can't remember something about how it's entirely wrong and this I, is a piece of shit. And I'm looking forward to destroying it. <laughs> something like that. Yeah, okay. I'm looking forward to ripping it apart. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so hate is a new sex. Um, I thought made a interesting argument, and I don't know how I feel about it, but I, I think it's interesting enough to talk about for an hour anyway. It's interesting to talk about. Yeah. So uh, even things I disagree with, I enjoy talking about. Totally. And maybe I'll come around. Ooh. Maybe it'll convince me to be a more hateful person. <laughs> No, no, you shouldn't be more hateful. What's the point of the post then? Is to not demonize hate? It's not even to or to, well, unde- yes, to, to undemonize to it. To not make it um to not make it into the thing that is how you can tell the bad people from the good people and uh you know, we should get into the post. But okay. it's certainly not trying to encourage anyone to be more hateful. Okay. I maybe I misread it. Okay. All right. So it was written by John Michael Greer in 2017. And uh, it starts out by saying that um, there, there's this disconnect. Uh, there's this idea that seems to be pretty prevalent in Western culture that um, it's an assumption that we make, which is a bad assumption. And he says there's a disconnect between one of the, the, this common assumption that we make about how to make the world better. Uh, and then the results of that assumption when it's put into practice. And we seem to never see these despite the fact that they're constantly coming into conflict. It's almost like a selective blindness. So what he's saying is that the assumption that a lot of us make in the West about how to make the world better is that we have this conviction that certain human emotions are evil and harmful and wrong. And the way to make a better world is to get rid of them one way or another. And that belief has been taken for granted throughout the industrial societies of the modern West, and it's been welded in place for a very long time. All right. I'll let let you get this out, then I got to put a pin in just that first thing. Go ahead. Go ahead. Do that. All right. So once upon a time, I had a blog where I I think I wrote on it every day for at least a year, maybe two. Nice. And then didn't maintain it and deleted it eventually. Um, Ooh, you should have kept it back up. It might still be saved if I tried to log in again, but I don't, I mean, it's you know, 10 years ago, Stephen thoughts that probably weren't that interesting, but um, this is the kind of thing that I would have read and then taken basically paragraph by paragraph and explained why I didn't like what this was. Okay. This is already setting up to be like straw manning the fuck out of people. Okay. So I I will admit that these first paragraphs are very strongly worded and, uh, and uncharitably. So to the point where it's like, 
you yeah. might have, it, it, it almost sounds like somebody, you know, uh, a nice new hot-headed 17-year-old atheist <laughs> making fun of religious people. Yeah. This I mean, is not the way that you engage with people. No, on, on the face of it, you know, it's obviously plain wrong. This is not literally the only problem in the world and uh, how things have always been done. But, like, I, I think it is certainly an aspect of things that we do and uh, is an important aspect. Oh, that's not the part I was thinking about, that it was the... Um, what you just said it was the uh the common that common human emotions are evil and harmful and wrong you don't think that people think that some people might but i think that he's engaging with us with the weak version of the argument Ooh, like i don't know i think that's maybe this is where we agree or where we disagree because i think that he's right when he says that a lot of people have this conviction okay so there's certain emotions that are evil and wrong i guess i'm the you know the uh, equivocating annoying religious person to argue with in this case if, the, if we're running the the new atheist uh analogy like i so the the as the title of the post implies he's talking about the emotion of hate um so like and also about sexual desire oh yeah right. but uh, but as a uh as an example that we kind of overcame a bit yeah mm-hmm. um historically that was a thing which seems to imply that in the future we'll have, be societally much more accepting of hate and uh that's a desirable outcome like it was with with the sexual revolution right and so like i i my position on hate isn't that it's evil and harmful and wrong and that people you know shouldn't you know good people don't feel this way Mm -hmm. my my conviction is that it's not a beneficial way to feel about stuff that for virtually any problem that you have with the world or any person you're having a problem with that it is not the most productive way to solve it and that you're better off not engaging with with that impulse so i mean that's basically what i would say about hate as well and like this article is the first time i've had to challenge that but it, it has been my conviction that if the world existed exactly as it is now, but the emotion of hate didn't exist, it would just be a better world. I think that's true. Okay, so you do think there is an emotion that is harmful and evil. Well, because the world would be better off if it was completely scrubbed from existence. It doesn't have to be harmful and evil for it to be... If it has some good things, then the world wouldn't be better off with that, right? Well, I guess harmful and evil are two different things. Evil, evil implies that it's this, you know... The, I mean, like... I don't know if mosquitoes play an important part to the world ecology or not, but if they didn't, the world would be better if they weren't here. Yeah. But it might not be. It might not be more or less evil. Like mosquitoes aren't evil. I guess evil doesn't play intent. Yeah. Yeah. E- and evil has this this heavy connotation behind it. That's just you know, I. Yeah. Let's let's keep rolling with it because I'm curious. Like if if in a world without hate, it's not that we'd all be lovey dovey and accepting of everybody, and you know there'd still be ways to disagree, mm-hmm. but you do so productively. You wouldn't. You wouldn't hate. You wouldn't disagree with the enemy because they're the hated outgroup and fuck them. They're all monsters. Right. Imagine how much further you could get with with deliberations of the people if you didn't immediately uh, disown them and, and discount them as as hateful monsters. Right. I mean, I agree with you one hundred percent, which is why I like this article because right. this article keeps making the point that uh, I'm wrong about this. That uh, I agree with you that hate is awful and the world would be better without it, and the fact that we treat it like that we treat hate in that way it leads to some serious dysfunction i think is what it's saying all right let's keep rolling okay um so he says yeah these days hate has roughly the same role in popular culture that original sin had in traditional christian theology if you want to slap the worst imaginable label on an organization you call it a hate group is this correct yeah i th- i think so too totally yeah. uh if you want to um if you want to push a category of discourse straight into the realm of utterly unacceptable you call it hate speech 
check, check. Yeah, like, I mean, seriously, the, generally, even people I know who are very much like pro-free speech in every single way, they're like, except hate speech. We need, you know, an exception for that. That should not be legal. And so he's correct about that anyway. And, and it works from both sides, too. Yeah. I mean, it's easy to, this, the easiest way to, if everyone's mind isn't going to politics like mine is, you know, um, I'm on the right, you know, people are trying to cancel if if you're if you're on the right, mm. your perception is that people are trying to cancel Christianity Christianity and mm. and these these people just hate your 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 spiritual convictions and your your uh, right to bear arms or whatever it is, right? Yeah, yeah. Um and they hate you for for liking those things. They think the same things about us that we think about them, right? Yeah. Yep. He says if you're speaking in public, I want to be sure that everyone in the crowd will beam approve at you. All you have to do is denounce hate. And uh so I think we are on board that all these things are true. And he asks, what happens when people decide that some common human emotion is evil and harmful and wrong and decide that the way to make the world, the way to make a better world is to get rid of it? Again, I don't think he ever doesn't lump evil, harmful, and wrong together when he talks about it, which is part of what makes this hard to dissect, right? Because then then it's easy for him to Mott and Bailey be like, oh yeah, you know, when I say evil and wrong, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I don't know what those words mean, you know, like in the context of me hating somebody. Like well, I, we can, I, I kind of get evil, but like, what does it mean that it's? I mean, I I get those, but if I just say it's harmful yeah. or or it's or even wrong, like any one of those on their own is a different claim. Okay, and so that that's that's sort of my thing. Um, well, but, I mean, could we agree that hate is a common human emotion? Sure. Yeah, and I think we've both already agreed that the world would be better off if there was no hate in it, right? I think. I mean, like that is probably yes. That is something I've and, always held, and and like part of my my case for this, other than just my own personal level of how I live my life and how happy I am, like compared to being a hate filled person. Yeah, I don't i I don't remember a time where I was really hate filled like utterly, but I you know I know the emotion. Mm-hmm. I'm not like some saint, mm-hmm. um, but like that this is the trend that has led the world to be a better place. Is that we you know we're we're less about. Uh, as a society rallying behind hate and hating the enemy and, you know, stamping out those horrible wrong religion people crusade style or those horrible wrong politic people Vietnam style. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, That seems to me to be just purely a progressive move. And this seems like the way that we're going. Right. And the world's a better place for it. Yeah. Yeah. I very deeply agree with you on an emotion level, but I think actually there are some positive uses for hate, which we can get into later, and which why the world might not be better off without it. Those will be the crux of I think of the the argument here. Yeah. I mean that that is that one major crux. crux. Me, yeah. yeah, but I don't think for me that's not the major crux because for me the thing is um, even if we were to admit that the world would be better if hate was expunged from the human uh, psyche, like what happens when? people decide that the way to make the world better is to get rid of hate uh, is the problem because you can't expunge it from the human psyche in the non-transhuman future. And so we have the problem of what are the effects of trying to expunge it in a human animal. I So that seems like a different argument entirely because I'm not saying that the way to, to towards this better future is to start expunging hate mm-hmm. theoretically by expunging people who are filled with hate. That sounds terrible. Well, I don't I think, think that's I th- how you do it. So how do you do it? Well, you do it the same way Victorians got rid of sex. Well, all right. I, I was thinking more like you aspire yourself. The same to, way Victorians aspired about sex. But they also they also in, uh, aspired to make everyone else hate sex. Yes. Right? Okay. Just like we want to make everyone else not be hateful. Okay. <laughs> I've got my I've got my ace in the hole, but I'm going to hold on to it. Okay. Until it, until it comes out 
there'll be a better time to whip this out. But okay. all right. Okay. Well, I mean, so 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 <laughs> that is that is what really got me is that like even if you do hate hate, well, even if you do disapprove of hate and and want it to be gone, the um acting on that belief is uh net harmful and he says he he says you know we've made this we've done this experiment many times through human history most recently during the the whole victorian um sex not sex craze anti-sex craze i guess you would call it uh, he says during its heyday people in britain and america loudly proclaimed exactly the same attitudes towards sex that their great-grandchildren now display towards hate if you wanted to define something as utterly beyond the pale... Wait, wasn't the Victorian era like 1700s? Yeah, I think he's not using the right term for Victorian era. And he's not using enough greats. Or he's not using enough greats. Greats? He's great-grandchildren. Oh, oh, oh yeah. That. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, that it really did last for quite a while. Like, even in the early 1900s in America, we had like oh, this. Oh, it's, it's still sort of a thing, implicitly. That's you true. know, like the that serial creator guy, you know campaign oh, Kellogg. yeah the whole yeah. reason that you know my dick is mutilated is because he was not the whole reason and right. not mutilated but less than perfectly functional mm-hmm. is because of giant cam- it's so when i learned this i thought it was some troll mm. and it's on the guy's wikipedia page so therefore it's got to be true <laughs> um yeah the the same guy behind cornflakes was the same reason that is, is one of the leading champions behind circumcision yes. in the western world because he thought both cornflakes and circumcision would prevent people from masturbating how did cornflakes help? Uh, it did not excite the senses. It was just a bland <laughs> food <laughs> subject. And oh so yeah, you know, if I get my sugar, if my cereal is too sugary, I just I I my I, I need to sexually get off. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> when you suppress sex that bad, any sort of maybe you know stimulation might give you a boner. When you're hyper religious, any anything that supersedes the the pleasure of prayer is is, is right. wrong. Yeah. And so so yeah. pretty much everything. Exactly. Prayer sucks so much. Yeah. As a thing that to be fun. Yeah yeah so that 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 was an issue um but yeah if, if you wanted to to make something beyond the pale you just made made it you know seem sexual and everyone was supposed to uh recoil in horror upon hearing that something is immoral is there a good example of people decrying something as oh this is obviously sexual nonsense that like we we call things hate groups mm-hmm. right where often it may be appropriate often it may not be mm-hmm. um are there examples of people not correctly calling something what a sex positive thing like if someone was for something that the victorians didn't like was it decried as a sexual positive even though it had nothing to do whatsoever with sex oh i have no idea i don't know the history that well i was trying to think if he brought anything up in the article and i can't quite remember i mean i do know they encouraged circumcision because they thought it would stop people from masturbating so it slowed them down (laughs) yeah 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 so i mean life uh finds a way you know, to to to, to get off on one's own when they get you know feel yeah. left alone for long enough. When the pussy is dry. <laughs> wow. Okay, that that came out really wrong. I didn't mean. I meant the well of the pussies <laughs> out there is tapped. You know what? I'm just gonna keep going. Uh, I was thinking more like if you had a foreskin, you don't need to like. Or it's. I think it's easier to masturbate without lubrication or something, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So, but you know, you'll you'll find something to do it with if you if you want to like that it's again it slows you down humans are not unaware of oils (laughs) right (laughs) yeah Yeah, he says the victorians hate was an ordinary emotion that most people had under certain circumstances but sexual desire was beyond the pale it was beastly horrid filthy and so on uh but the problem was that insisting that sexual desire was beastly horrid filthy etc didn't make it go away 
or deprive it of its substantial role in motivating human behavior. It just meant that people got hypocritical about it. They pretended they weren't getting sexually aroused and acting on their arousal, when in fact, that's what they were doing. And uh, he makes the argument that hatred is the same way. Hmm. That uh, no one can admit when they hate something and they are being motivated by hatred. So they pretend that they aren't uh, hating a person or a thing or an idea or whatever. And they aren't motivated by that when in fact they are. And that leads to all sorts of dysfunction. Okay. Much like the Victorians had. It might be time to whip out my trump card here. All I'm, right. I'm thinking, about the trump card? Well, my, my first, before that, I'm just thinking, like, I always hate this kind of mind reading argument. Okay. You know, like this is, this is the same thing. The religion example keeps coming up. Mm-hmm. You know, they would say if you're arguing with a religious, a dis- disingenuous religious person, they'd say, "Oh, you're just, you just hate God. That's why you're not religious." And it's like, no, that's really not it. Right. And right. you pretending to know my mind better than me kind of annoys me. Yeah. Um. So that that's what he's doing here. You know, so someone who's actually out there espousing uh, a life of positive emotion and love over hate. Oh, he, he's saying, oh, no, they're really motivated by hate. Well, no, I mean, I'm sure there are people like that who really are like the, you know, hippy dippy Jesus types. And I mean, I've even met some of them. But there's also a lot of people who I have also met who are like, you know, love conquers all and love is love and, you know, all about inclusion and everything. But uh, really, really hate uh, certain people, really, not just certain people, but like just entire large swaths of the culture yeah i i know exactly the kind of thing you're talking about yeah and they're they're even the kind who can espouse truth and love in one sentence but and then before they finish the breath immediately turn on some group that they you know vociferously and passionately hate yeah yeah and yeah so those people we're not mind reading we're just watching them right yeah exactly okay like you can tell those people as often they're the people let's say you know this person slightly to the right of me on the political axis is a nazi because, first of all, it's okay to kill Nazis, and so anyone who's the right of you that is a Nazi, now you are saying it's okay to commit violence against them. But no, no, we're all about love. We just can't tolerate intolerance. Yeah. Uh... Like, you you know the people I'm talking about. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. I, I absolutely do. I'm just thinking, like, it, it always brings to mind the question of, like, I wonder what form their intolerance will uh, or their lack of tolerance will take. Yeah. I await a knock at the door. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. I think that's a line from the end of faith too. All this religion talk put all those books back in my head. Mm. Um, all right. Well, we'll, we'll, uh, so I, 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 now that he's not doing mind reading and he's just, you know, reading what people are saying, mm. all right, I can, I can move past that. We'll keep going. Okay. Um, well, I, I, so yeah, like the, the culture is a pretense, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the hypocrisy, the evasion, uh, springs up to allow them to vent the, the unacceptable emotion on some set of acceptable targets without admitting that they were doing so. Yeah. And that, that's exactly, yeah, that, I mean, um, I mean, imagine, and this, this is the, the annoying part of this too, is like, and I'm, I'm, I'll never not like, it seems like every time we talk about something fun and engaging like this, I'm reminded of Dan Dennett's quote. There's nothing I dislike more than a bad argument for a position I agree with. Yeah. And so like, or, or even like bad representation of an argument that I agree with, and so like, I I'm a big fan of of all gender and trans inclusivity, mm-hmm. and I found that in many cultures where they're also big fans of that, they're some of the most hate filled people I've ever met. Yeah, yeah. And so like they they 
they apparently care about the same thing I care about. Mm. And then they turn around in the next sentence and say, we should stomp, we should curb stomp to death the people who don't agree with us. And I'm just like, holy shit. And uh, like, not even, I mean, yes, that too. But okay, so this has been uh, something that's been mentioned on the Discord recently. That The running joke is like, every group that ever exists needs some sexual minority to beat up on. And uh, the current sexual minority that the left wing beats up on is incels. And... Uh, you know, it's sort of said tongue-in-cheek, but on the other hand, yeah, there's a sexual minority. They're, they're people who either can't get laid or feel like they can't get laid and therefore have stopped trying. And uh, they are just absolutely hated by by the people, you know, a lot of people who consider themselves liberal and, you know, full of love and anything. Like, you bring up incels. Like, incels are their go-to, this is the group we hate and they are the worst group in the world. Like everybody even worse a, than Proud Boys. Generally. Everybody needs a sexual minority to hate on. I didn't, I didn't think of it that way. Yeah. I, I guess I have like I don't know a lot about the incel community. Like I think that there's the 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 strong version of it and then the weak version. Like there are people who are just textbook involuntarily celibate. Yes, yeah, I'd yeah. love to have a partner. I don't have one. Yeah, like that's textbook incelism, right? I mean, part and then part of the problem with the incel community is a lot of it is super misogynistic. Well, so that's that's the that's the definition. 2a or 1a or 1b right yeah. like that that's the that's the second part is like it's not it's not merely that they can't get laid is that they're crazy pissed and then they've they've turned that into oh it's because uh because women suck or whatever right like yeah. that, that that part's insane but like i and some people you know i guess they they find a culture to rally behind that shares the similar frustration right right and so um i guess all that's true but i mean like I, I've recently managed to give up my hatred of the incels too, just because I guess I, I'm committed to trying not to hate things, which probably means I'm fucking something up really bad in my psyche. If this guy's <laughs> right. Right, if this guy's right. But um, yeah, there's there's no better uh, a group than if you want to see real hatred from for from uh, from someone on the left wing than just mention incels. And they, they will, but they won't say, you know. Or transphobes or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. Like I remember, I, w- I went to the women's march in 2016, okay. and even on the ground in the throng of thousands of people, I heard people complaining that it wasn't inclusive enough. Really? Because they didn't make it. They didn't make it part of their like first objective to include uh, women of color and uh, um, trans transgender females and stuff. Okay. And it's like, we're, I thought we were all just here, like as a group, to unite against like our dislike of the this misogynistic pig orangutan that's got elected into the oval office like right. isn't that enough no we have we had not even done walking yet and we're gonna rip we're gonna start eating our own tail about how we're not I don't, we're, we're, we're not doing it well enough or something yeah. so i mean you always got to practice for the oppression olympics <laughs> i i they only just, come once every four years but the training is non-stop <laughs> that's <laughs> that, that's just the thing that was like there might be there might be a case to be made about that but like isn't it okay that that wasn't the purpose of the, of the women's march yeah to like you know, make it make its first priority uh, um, being trans inclusive, and it was never trans exclusive, as far as I know. Yeah. It just it didn't it wasn't vocally enough trans inclusive yeah. early on enough or something. Yeah, yeah. Right. I think I think that even like you know before all this had you know the, before the people started walking like while they're organizing it, mm-hmm. they got this this kickback, and so they they had changed their message a bit, or rather not not changed. You know, like they suddenly decide they're going to include this but they're like oh yeah that that is an important point but then of course changing your mind is just you know the 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 devil's trick and really you're still a hate-filled bigot and like um it's like wait i'm i'm i i acknowledge that i was doing this incorrectly and not sufficiently before now i'm doing it more but you're saying that that proves i'm being wrong here like i I don't quite get it 
Um, and, and the thing is, like, I don't even necessarily think, like, I ideally I do think a world without hate is better. But I think hate. I've lately come to think that hate serves very useful purposes, and that in fact it may be right to hate on incels that are just these. When you read some of their, I I can't describe it as anything other than evil rantings, the misogynistic crazy bile. Like I'm okay hating that, and I think it's good and right to hate that, and people should hate that. Uh, so I, I can't even say that like it's wrong to hate certain things. I, I think hate does serve a useful function sometimes, but the the suppression and the being unable to to you know say that hate is an okay emotion that sometimes people feel and it's justified and right uh leads to these sorts of dysfunctions that we're seeing same way that the victorian dysfunctions around sex led to them becoming super fucking obsessed with sex just yeah. not willing to admit it and maybe you know this guy's got obsessed his... with masturbation and shit yeah and maybe the author of this is you know is, is tuned into parts of culture that i'm not because I, I don't see a lot of people burning a lot of fuel uh are you know on hate is bad and okay right like that might be an implicit message in some things but I, I don't see a lot of people you know fighting on that hill um like so maybe maybe they're maybe they're out there and i'm just missing it but i, I don't see anyone like making that point a lot i know i keep saying that but i i guess i'm just who is he talking to well he's talking to the people who say that um the best way to make a group an outcast from society is to label them a hate group. Yeah, for sure. Or the best way to silence speech forever is to call it hate speech. And, you know, maybe maybe that... I guess I can think of examples when I picture... Because the then you can't about. even, like... You can't even talk about what the actual speech is or whether it's legitimate or what the group is or whether they have legitimate complaints. Now the conversation has to be, oh, no, we're not a hate group or, oh, no, we're not a... This is not hate speech and here's why. Yeah, yeah, okay. I can see that when I'm picturing like different online sections I've been on where people act that way, and like, you know, I I haven't spent a lot of time ingesting the uh like, incel memos. I don't I don't imagine I have the patience for it. Um, I it's it's like a I rather than hate the people, I feel more bad for them, and not like in the condescending pity way. Oh, you poor thing! I'm so much smarter and wiser than you. That's why I don't you know. But it's more just like man. I, I understand why you're frustrated and this is not the way to feel that way. Yeah. And like there, there are, there, this is not the way to resolve those feelings. Like, uh, and, and frankly, you know, so if, if you're arguing in favor of hate, the, the argument stops at like, no, just hate them. They suck. Mm -hmm. Right. Is that kind of the case or am I, am I straw manning that? No, I think that that is kind of the case. Just hate them and accept that hate is a thing people feel and that's all right sometimes. I like think, so here's an example oh do you want to go ahead? well i was going to say like um we were talking about the mandalorian which i just came across a couple weeks ago and i finished all of season one it's delightful mm -hmm. um i don't know the actress's name she's the ww or is it the same thing if women's wrestling whatever mm -hmm. uh she plays angel dust in uh deadpool oh um, god the one that yeah, goes toe-to-toe -to -toe awesome. colossus yeah dude i really wish they had more like um female action stars like that because you see some of the people like scarjo or just people who they look small and and uh, okay i get they have superpowers and that might make sense but i really would like to see more actual built beefy women in those roles because that looks just seems more realistic to me just having mass makes a big difference in physical confrontations what's fun is on a, on the digression there like uh it's, it's like Arya stark versus brienne of tarth yes right yeah. and so if if Arya tried to fight like brienne it would be 
kind of ridiculous. Yeah. But instead, she plays to her strengths. She's yeah. small and nimble. Right. And uses that as her as her technique to win, and it's very no successful. No one specs the eight year old scullery maid. And so, so, and just like I mean, even her little fencing sword is, I think, unique in the whole series. The the idea of just you know tons of pinpricks through armor mm-hmm. rather than cleaving them in twain like Brianna Tarth can do. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I mean, there's a difference there, but also, so I, I bring up, I, again, I'm going to call her Angel Dust because I can't remember the actress's name. Um, and I'm assuming this is semi-common because I've also heard this from other avenues that in the uh, fighting circuits of the pla- of parts of the world, there's uh, disagreements on, like, trans-inclusivity. Okay. Um, and I mainly know this from having heard Joe Rogan complain about it once or twice. Okay. And, like, I think the argument is that Look, if you grew up with the bone density and whatever musculature of a male mm. and then transition at 35 to female, you'll start dominating in your weight class. Right. You um, went through a male puberty. And yeah. I actually don't know if that's true. I, I'm not, I, anecdotally, it's true from Joe Rogan, but I, right. I'm not sure if there's, what the, if there's been actual investigations into this that aren't uh, people complaining about it. I'm not sure. Okay. Um, so I'm, I'm agnostic as to whether or not that's true. But anyway, I think she bought into that. Mm. And so she said some things that were like, you know, uh, that, that the the hate-filled group would say transphobic she's evil and wrong mm. that and i don't know what the exact quotes were maybe they were you know hateful and evil and wrong or maybe they were just misguided mm. point is is if you dismissed her as like fuck hate her she sucks um she would never she never has an opportunity to get better right and so what happened instead was apparently she had a nice long talk with pedro pascal mm. um the mandalorian mm-hmm. and came around okay and like and i i only heard the cliff notes of this so i'm not sure how much of this is all accurate but the the moral is that if if you if you throw out the the person as a hated enemy who's beyond redemption, yeah. you're never going to reach them. Yeah. And like, if you actually want the world to be a better place, that better aligns with your goals. Short of killing these people, um, the the best way is to talk with them. Um, you know, like Sam Harris had that episode with uh, Christian somebody. It was yeah, a few years ago. The ex uh, neo Nazi. Yeah. And like. The guy acknowledges, yeah, it was terrible. Uh, in you know, I'm sure I forget his whole autobiography of how he came to be that way. Um, for whatever reasons they were, I'm sure there were good reasons to him at the time to be a neo-Nazi. Mm-hmm. And yet, something clicked in him, and he had the opportunity to to grow. And now he leads groups in neo-Nazi reform, mm-hmm. rather than in putting on hoods and punching neo-Nazis, mm-hmm. which probably doesn't help them reform. And that's also that's definitely not what convinced him to change his mind. Right. Right. Yeah. Um. Like. The way to, to, to reach people and to make the world a better place, and if even if you want to mark a group as a hate group, the way to beat them is to is to teach them, show them the show them the way, mm-hmm. right? Um, like my my ace in the hole here is is Fred Rogers, right? Yeah, I don't think that he was that he secretly hated people. No, and I think that if more people acted like him the world would be a gen- would be an unambiguously better place. Yeah. And, you know, did Fred Rogers, Carl Sagan, and uh, um, Bob, the painter, uh, Bob... Bob Ross. Bob Ross, thank you. Um, I don't think that they had a hate bone in their body, right? I think... And, and if they did, they did whatever, but, like... Yeah, I mean, um, I don't know them personally well enough to say, but it's certainly given their public persona. It does not come through in their public persona. Yeah. Um, you know, Sagan, in some of his, in his, his attitudes, would come off as impatient, with okay. some religious nonsense, okay. but never anything less than than uh, engaging and understanding. Yeah. Um, like the only time I saw him be impatient was on like an interview on a radio show where the guy kept interrupting him. Right. And he's like, look, I'm trying to answer what you're saying, but you keep interrupting me. Yeah. And like, that's his version of getting pissed, right? right? And so like... 
So how do you feel about people who throw acid on girls' faces for going to school? Not a fan. Or shoot them. Right. Like that's so the reason I ask is because this this came up just last week to me, uh, IRL. Uh, Someone, God, I think it was just a few days ago that Canada classified the Proud Boys as a terrorist organization. And the the headline from NPR was Canada classifies Proud Boys as terrorist organization alongside ISIS and Al-Qaeda. And since I know that NPR is, you know, swinging pretty far left over the past few years, I get the feeling that they were trying to say, look, these guys are as bad as ISIS and Al-Qaeda. And, you know, the person who shared this uh, did so, you know, praising it and saying, what is taking the U.S. so damn long? And my comment was maybe the fact that ISIS and Al-Qaeda, you know, murder people and try to destroy our civilization, whereas Proud Boys are just, you know, more of a group of angry, possibly even hate-filled people. And the conversation went back and forth for a little bit, but... You know, he said Proud Boys are a hate group. I'm like, yeah, yeah, they're they're a hate group. I can I can dig that. They may not be, as far as I know, however, they are. Uh, but that doesn't make them a terrorist organization. Like a terrorist organization, the correct response to them is to send in the troops, murder them in their sleep if you can, because then our soldiers won't be in danger. Like, end them because they have put reporters in cages and burned them to death. Like they rape young girls for going to school and then execute them. This is this is disgusting, and uh, that is how terrorist organizations should be treated. And if you aren't okay with sending the troops into the houses of Proud Boys and murdering them in their sleep, probably don't classify them as a terrorist organization, because there's a world of difference between the two. And I would have pointed that out, except NPR already did it for me in the headline. How are they not seeing this? I think that some people would happily chug that bullet of let's go into their houses and kill them at night. Yeah. Um, so how I- are those people possibly not hate-filled if they're willing to say oh, that's yeah they're definitely okay right? okay All uh right. yeah i i i mean or they're i mean you know it, it's possible to think that the right thing to do is to sneak into the bedrooms of every of everyone in hamas and kill them or something right mm-hmm. um but not not do that with hate in your heart it's possible I'm, no, it's possible no, to I'm think okay that you're doing, doing it with hate in my no, I'm, heart. Just, I'm just saying it's possible you said how is it possible okay like it might be like look yeah this sucks but it's the it's the best thing we can do right um you know if it, it, when Harry wanted to guillotine all the blood purists, it probably wasn't from a place of hate. It was right. like, you know, this would make the pl- this would make the world a better place, and yeah. I'll, I'll bite that bullet if I have to. Yeah. Um, then it turns out that biting that bullet was not nearly as tasty as he thought it would be. <laughs> but um, the uh, so yeah, I, I this this is like a definitions argument, right? Mm-hmm. Like with with the Proud Boys, I don't know if they fall into the group of terrorists or not, because I don't really like that. I mean, we went back on this when we were talking about the insurrectionists, mm-hmm. like were they terrorists? Like in the sense right. that they politically inspired terror. Sure. But I almost don't give them the street cred of a terrorist. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. I'm more scared of terrorists than, uh, or if I lived near them mm-hmm. than I am of the insurrectionists that live in my home state. Right. Yeah. Like the, these are for the most part, a bunch of just, you know, in, in, uh, you know, impotent, weak willed and, uh, and that, that's that's dis, that's discharitable. I mean, for, but for the most part, they are politically impotent and not scary. Yeah. Um, you know, who did who? I forget who it was. Someone called it the uh, um, uh, gravy seals. You know, watching these people <laughs> just huff and puff walking up the stairs. Didn't two of them die of like overexertion? Something like that. Yeah. And so, like, I, I don't think the actual causes were ever released, but that yeah is what it looks like. And you know, I think at least one fell and died climbing that thing. So you know, right. they're, they're not. They're not the kind of nimble, and you know, then again, neither are most terrorists. They're not going to be the nimble, 
Navy SEAL folks that I have to worry about jumping into my second story window from ground level like a Spider-Man creature. <laughs> but, um, all right, I realize that's, the, that's a high bar. But um, <laughs> I so, mean, you could do it with an assist from someone. Yeah. Uh, where was I going with this? About about the Proud Boys and or what, what was the setup? Uh, they... That hate groups and terrorist groups are kind of indistinguishable in people's heads. And I don't think they necessarily should be. And maybe that is a symptom of hate is this horrible thing which must be expunged. Yeah, maybe. I can see that. Yeah. Um, And also, like, I think, I mean, I kind of wanted to get this later, to this later, but I think hate does have a place. It is motivating. Like, you're not likely to go down to, you know, Afghanistan or or the places where ISIS held territory. I think they've all been kicked out of them now. And uh, fight against them just because, you know, yes, the world would be better off if they weren't in power, but like, hate will motivate you to go down there and get revenge for for the things they've done yeah as i know with this was off the air we were talking about this but when you were saying about uh if someone tried to sue you out of absolutely ridiculous yeah uh uh grounds and i would fantasize about violence not only would you fantasize violence but even if you didn't resort to the violence the fact that the person i was talking about settled for for you know, a certain amount of money because they were like, yes, this is a completely ridiculous lawsuit. And if I went all the way to court, I could win, but we've already spent so much money that it would be cheaper for me just to settle now than to keep going. Whereas if you are incensed and angry, you will pay extra costs just to take them to court and make them lose because fuck those fuckers trying to, trying to sue you for, for literally made up reasons. And that is, I mean, that's basically, that's vengeance. That's hatred, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't want to equivocate like a strong sense of justice with with hate and vengeance, but it almost kind of is, yeah. maybe. But that that said, this guy actually lost, right? You're the guy you knew that settled. No, no, he, no, no. He lost. He he lost all the costs to settle to get this taken care of well, because yes. he didn't want to win. But he because won winning, winning in monetary terms because it would have cost him even more to keep fighting. I thought that if you win, and I'm not a lawyer, if, I thought if you won in court, they the loser has to pay the costs. As far as I not not not, not the loser. Yeah, if the yeah. claimant makes an un un uh, if they make a claim against you that you win, mm-hmm. they have to pay your your court costs. Like as far as I could tell, that was not going to be the case in this particular thing. Oh, then in that case, it makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. I was under the impression that he just was tired of fighting and didn't you know was. So that that's different. If I if I thought I would lose more money by fighting it, then I might just settle, right? Mm-hmm. But if I uh, if if it was just a matter of me being worn out by it, I feel like I would be righteously indignant enough to never be worn out to fight this, right? But given the fact that you would lose more money by fighting it and winning than you would just by giving up and giving into their demands, would you keep fighting anyway? Well, I, that 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 was where I mis- that was where my misunderstanding came from. I thought that he forsook making back his losses just to get this out of his life yeah right and so uh i mean it, i mean at also that point, putting a lot of stress in your life is a cost as well yeah exactly so that depends on like how much money you know if the and, difference and then was, you were like what if they accidentally slip and fall on a sledgehammer <laughs> yeah i mean I, I was being tongue-in-cheek i'm not a violently impulsed person but, but the you start uh, fantasizing about that shit well i i mean somebody doing something so egregious and terrible out of so like uh i was talking with a co-workers about this some years ago my grandmother got scammed on the internet mm-hmm. you know some pop-up you got a virus call us give us your credit card number yeah and they, they took like 140 bucks from her or maybe mm-hmm. 340 like mm-hmm. a not insignificant sum for her mm-hmm. and like that that again i'm not an angry or violent person and yet i remember what i i 
I am capable of feeling those things. Mm-hmm. When somebody robs my dear old grandmother mm-hmm. out of her, uh, her, her money that she needs to live, right. you know, she, she budgets to go to, to pay a doctor's copay, right? Like right. someone stole fucking money from my grandmother. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Love to spend an hour with you in a, you know, in a basement with a ba- baseball bat. Like mm-hmm. those, those are the joking thoughts that come. I don't know if I'd beat this person to death. If I met them, yeah. I'd probably tell them Maybe they just suck. halfway. <laughs> I, would, I would tell them that they suck, but they know that they're okay with it. So like, this is the kind of person where like, but you know, then again, I've got to ask myself like, what, what is the value of hating this person versus some other way of handling it right. in the abstract? There's no point in hating them because I have no idea who they are and they're unreachable. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're half the half a planet away probably. Yeah. So like, I, I gain nothing by being angry or hateful about it. Um, you know, and I certainly, you know, don't gain anything to prevent this from happening in the future by being a- hateful or angry about it. I mean, maybe I, you do. I well, I I didn't in this case. I just explained to her like you never click these. Mm-hmm. No one will ever ask for your information. No one will ever ask for your password. And another thing, just keep in mind. None of your grandkids will ever call you asking for a wire transfer. Yeah. So never do that. Yeah. Um, like, you know, so it doesn't take hate to motivate that. It's just like some incident that inspired the, like, oh, yeah, you need. It, it's funny because, like, if the, enough hate filled people went and found and got some sort of revenge, it might discourage this sort of behavior. It might, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, there are. There are I mean, there's, there's a reason hatred evolved. <laughs> yeah, but I mean. Uh, there, there's lots of negative things in this that evolved that we probably yes, don't want to keep around. There so, are, yeah. Uh, I, and I, I think it's one of those things. Like, do you do you want to foster this? And and that's not necessarily. Well, the, do you want to also accept in the transhuman future that a certain amount of people in second and third world countries will just scam a certain amount of first world people out of their money because the first world people have a lot more money and sometimes are gullible and we won't do anything about it because we no longer have the hatred motivation to stop that. I mean, are we just willing to accept that cost and have that redistribution of wealth via fraud? In the transhuman future? Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's a pretty contrived example. Right, because we wouldn't have scarcity in the transhuman future. And we'll just, we'll have better internet security or something, right? <laughs> Damn like, it. But, 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 but the point taken, like, you know, is, is this an emotion we want to take with us to the stars as, as a species, right? Like, well, yeah, and, I mean, probably not, but it has useful I mean, aspects if we it. came across a, a, a spaceship full of baby-eating aliens, do we hate them for what they do because they're terrible? Do, or do we just stop them? Cause I wouldn't because it's their own species they're eating. Well, I might be disgusted. Yeah, so I mean, I'm trying to think something in Star Trekian terms or something or whatever, right? Like if but, I found out they were eating our babies, I might hate them. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I guess I... So, so, so the point of his essay, maybe this is part of my issue with reading it was I was like, oh, this is going to be juicy to tear apart. Then maybe I missed some of the point. He's not arguing that we should all like take a more laid back position to hate and or is he that like this is hey this is natural feel it it's it's totally normal you know don't well, don't don't shut this emotion down it's not that don't shut this emotion down because you shouldn't he even says at the very end i don't want a more hate-filled world but repressing it is leads to like one of the uh things he said is that the way people flocked to trump and just you know were absolutely devouring everything he did was the same way that Victorians would get in trains and travel for hours or days to see these crazy flagrant sexual expressions and just be shocked by them. They're like, I'm so scandalized this is happening. And or as Fox News would sometimes do like, these spring breakers are going wild and showing all these gyrating hits and yeah. shit. Uh, it's the same kind of thing. Like people would just flock to watch the hate and denounce it. But, you know... 
you get, could tell getting, they were getting off on it. Getting their their outrage porn was expensive and time consuming back then. Yeah. Now yeah. you just need to scroll through Twitter. Yeah. Um, like okay, so I mean, outrage porn might not be nearly as big of a thing if people did not suppress hate as much. Like, is part of the problem with the culture wars the fact that people are trying to suppress their hate and it's coming out in these culture war ways where we tear the the hated out group to shreds even though we're not willing to say that because we're trying to suppress all this hate as opposed to acknowledging that it is a thing and uh it's just the thing normal people feel and it doesn't make you bad to hate people or things i think most of the most of the exposure i have to the this these kinds of people is from like one place that i've i've seen on the internet so like it's hard for me to like know if they're a general example or if they're an edge example Mm -hmm. but i think they wore their hate proudly on their sleeves and so i don't think that the fact that they i don't think their allergy to hate if they had one was at all part of the problem you don't think it was part of the they their constant like but we are the people who love others and are accepting i think that that, wasn't a side effect i think they they send it proudly and say we hate all these out groups and that they would they would love to have badges that said that okay um and and if they didn't i can easily imagine it right like a lot of this, I mean, saying, you know, standing up proudly and saying you hate the Proud Boys or you hate uh, Al Qaeda, that doesn't lose you any political capital. No, you know, if you anything, it, it gains you, it gains you political capital. Yeah. Um, I guess it depends on which which side of the nation you're talking to. Well, if you're talking to either side of the nation in 2001 or 2002, it earned you points by saying we hate them, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. So like, uh, not the Proud Boys, but Al Qaeda, yeah. and so like, uh, it's. I mean. I, I do remember when Osama bin Laden was killed and almost immediately a lot of people said we shouldn't celebrate his death because any human dying is a tragedy. But like if Trump had died in office, people would have been partying. People did party when Scalia died. And, you know, I don't think they were wrong. And I was also on the side of, you know, hey, let's not let's not celebrate the death of a human at that time. And now I'm thinking back. I'm like, was I being a hypocritical son of a bitch? I mean, because I also like... To be fair, I wasn't hypocritical because when Scalia died or when any right-wing person I hate dies, I also always say, you know, it's always a tragedy when a human dies and we shouldn't celebrate it. So at least I'm not hypocritical outwardly like some people I saw. But on the other hand, I was kind of happy on the inside. I remember when you told me that, uh, what's his name, Mitch McConnell fell and broke his shoulder. Right. And I was like, I hope it hurts. (laughs) Um, And, you know, then I immediately was like, well, on the one hand, you know, I don't like this guy. Mm-hmm. I the idea of him, you know, having to you know, not getting a good night's sleep because his his shoulder hurts, you know, put, puts puts a skip in my step. But that's not a way I want to feel. Right. And so, like, it, you know, again, I, I like the, the. You don't think you might be more psychologically healthy to admit that I hate this person, and that is a natural way to feel. I think it's like, what do I do with that hate? And then maybe we need to to either taboo or define hate carefully, but. Like, I, I go back to my example with, with uh, Angel Dust and Pedro Pascal. Yeah. Like, if he hated her, he would never have talked with her and right. brought her to the light side of the force. Yeah. And, like, that that's that's the, that's the my main uh, hang-up on this. Mm-hmm. Is like, I, I can acknowledge that, yes, it's it's uh, understandable and human to, to respond to this person with hate. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I can also say, and... I should, you know, either allow myself to feel that and move past it or even suppress it so I can do the right thing. Yeah. And so, like, I, 
I, I don't I don't see that as a contradiction or even a bad thing. I, there was this is going to maybe sound like a slight tangent, but in I forget which presidential election it was where uh, the first Bush ran. God, who did he run against? Uh, Dukakis, maybe. Uh, but I remember in one of the debates, uh, it, the death penalty was a a bigger deal at the time, I guess. And uh, the Bush asked his opponent. God, I, I swear, I think it was Dukakis. I don't know. Uh, asked his opponent, um, would you be for the death penalty for someone who raped your wife? And like... Man, that's a hard-hitting question. Yeah. That's, that's I mean... That's a brutal fucking no, question. Leaving everything else I know about George Bush Sr. aside, that's kind of a baller thing to ask during a debate. Yeah. And like, I found that question incredibly hard and I've had for a long time because how the hell do you answer that? Like, you're not supposed to be for the death penalty for anyone and you're definitely not supposed to say no the state shouldn't kill them because i want to kill them (laughs) yeah yeah but on the other hand like i I mean i think that was one of the things that made him lose the election because you look really weak like either you go back on your principles or you say you know no i don't lie i love my wife that much i don't think the guy who raped her should be should be executed like ultimately this this I think that was one of the side effects of, at the time, it hadn't spread to the right yet, but the left was already feeling this, like, we cannot uh, abide any sort of hate. Like, maybe the right answer would have been, like, I would want to kill him. I would hate him, and I would hope he dies. But I don't think that the state should have the same emotional drives that I as a person do. And, like, as it, it's good policy to not allow the state to execute people so even though I would want to kill him, I'm still not for a law that allows the state to do so. I think Maybe something like that. I think that's a perfect answer and one that would have been quote mind and lost you the election. But, yeah, but, yeah, but it's the right probably. answer, yeah. right? Like, um, but that is a part where, you know, it shows that either you have hatred or there's something wrong with you as a human if you don't. Like, how could you not hate someone like that and want them to die? I mean, you, you would have to be who my mental picture of Fred Rogers or any other saint is where it's like you're somehow your first impulse is God, I hope we can help this person. I would think even Fred Rogers would be like, I could see maybe someone like that saying, no, I hope we can help that person, but I would consider them a damaged human if they didn't feel I hate this person and I want them to suffer and die. Yeah. I, I can see where you're coming from. And I mean, then it's kind of maybe damaged is loaded there. Cause you know, it, that might actually be the better way to feel mm. a personally and b societally. Right, right. Like if humanity's take on, on justice was reform rather than retribution, we'd be way better off. Mm. And like the, the idea of you've done wrong, you need to, you need to pay. You, you, you deserve what, you know, whatever happens to you in, in this dark, terrible pit we throw you in because you're a bad person. That, that attitude doesn't help anybody. doesn't yeah. help you. doesn't help society. doesn't help the person. And so, but maybe if we could acknowledge that and work through it, as opposed to trying to suppress it, Mike. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how much suppression is going on in the legal system, but I'm not a legal person, so mm. um, I wonder. Like, I mean, I guess I'm trying to think of where, where in my life should I have more hate, if any? <laughs> like, that's that's the thing is, I I see hate in people. I felt mm. hate. I I can feel hate. Like again, I'm not some some alien. Um, but I, I'm never happy when I'm feeling hate yeah. and I, 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 it's not because I feel guilty about it. Like I've, you know, I'm a Victorian who wanted to masturbate. Yeah. It's because 
it's not a good place to be. Yeah. Well, and, I don't I don't think that you should feel more hate. I don't I don't think that's a good thing at all. I just the acknowledging like I think what, what was it that he say? Uh, so good to go back to the article. Like he said that in the Victorian era, the privileged classes defined themselves as good, and part of that meant they didn't have sexual desire. And uh, now that you know the lower classes were beastly, horde, filthy, and sexual beings. And nowadays, what defines the good people is, is that the privileged people claim they don't have hate, and they define the social inferiors as hate-filled bigots. Uh, so class bigotry hasn't changed in this case, but like that that's what you hear a lot is you know they're bigots they're they're full of hate they they hate us for our freedoms or whatever like it's hate is what defines the out group the bad people the people that no one should want to be like right yeah and you know it's the and that impulse just ruins conversation and any chance for uh fruitful discourse or uh like personal reform of a person you know like i think you made the case on the mind killers that you know like people people uh disparage jk rowling as this hate-filled bigot and yes while some of the things that she said are probably inaccurate and are textbook transphobic (laughs) i don't see her as coming from a place of hate yeah um and I i didn't do a deep dive but on the quotes that i've heard like it struck me as somebody who is misguided and doesn't understand the situation. Yeah. And so the correct response isn't to say that isn't to lie and say that she's full of hate and that this is her real motivation. No, she's just wrong. Mm-hmm. And there's a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it, well, and the Trump card was, you know, this is something that a hate filled bigot would say. And maybe if that wasn't, you know, automatically saying, Oh, someone is hate filled. They're automatically wrong and to be shunned. Then, you can say things that are just misguided that other hate-filled people say and that doesn't automatically mean you have lost that you are also a social pariah because someone who did say something with hate said the same kind of thing that should definitely just be that people should just get that right well you, yeah, can, you can make they the same, don't if, yeah yeah because that's the whole thing it sounds like something someone with hate has said and therefore it is evil and you are evil for even entertaining a similar notion those those people are mistaken <laughs> yeah but but I, I hear what you're saying but it's it's like that that the, the level of, of conversation should be beyond that and so that uh, and that's where I, I can see where this guy's coming from with like if you just label everything that you hear so, you know again so ever everyone who um again angel dust i'm not sure what she said and i, sh- I should just look up her name and i'm not going to because mm. i'm on the air and it's more fun calling her angel dust <laughs> um like you know, I, I maybe she said the most transphobic thing someone can say while not being a hate-filled person. Maybe she even was filled with hate and it came around. Mm-hmm. But the point is, is, like, you should you shouldn't hear that and be like, oh, she said she made the same sounds as a hate-filled person. Yeah. Therefore, she's she must be full of hate because she could just be stupid. Yeah. And by stupid, I mean uneducated on the subject, right? Yeah. And so, like, then the, the the solution isn't to dismiss her as this hate-filled monger. Uh, it's just like, oh, are you you know do you do you know that this is actually the case here and then be like, no i didn't oh thanks i've i'm now i've now updated yeah. like that's how these things go and th- that's how they can go um so, so yeah so i kind of want to bring this back around to the people you said you know who wear their hate on their sleeve even though they're like you know liberal whatever types but just absolutely full of hate he uh th- this ties back to like near the end of the article he said the victorian sexual repressiveness eventually gave rise to the sexual revolution which swung to the opposite extreme with an equal lack of balance. Which, first of all, I want to say, I was kind of a 
big fan of the sexual revolution. I really idealized the freed love hippie stuff. And like, I'm a slut at heart. Not in practice, sadly, because I guess my dick is just not okay having sex with people. I don't know. But I wish it was, because that is my psychology, damn it. Um, but uh, given his disparaging of the sexual revolution, let's put that to one side and not argue with how wrong he is on that. Um, the, before we set it aside, might that indicate that he might be off base here? Mm, it's, it's actually not central to the point he's making. Yeah, I don't know. Like Maybe I'm wrong about how awesome it is for everyone to be super slutty. I haven't really looked into it. I think it's great, but like I said, I haven't actually looked into it. That's just my feeling. I'm not sure what societal harms could come from people having sex with whoever they want to have sex with, assuming they also have enough sex with them. Well, I mean, nowadays, probably not very much, but maybe still some psychologically. Back before we had birth control and contraceptives and ways to fight STDs, it would have been much worse. But yeah, uh, yeah nowadays, probably not nearly as much, but you know, there's can be arguments made for less meaningful life or harder to form long-term relationships i don't know man like i said i don't get it all right we'll move past that and okay uh, what was that in the same he way says, in the same way today's attempt to repress hate could quite easily give rise to a revolution of hate in which people wallow in hatred the way the libertines of the 60s and 70s wallowed in sex like sex like wallowing in sex sounds bad uh, yeah right. so pretending that it does and or you know his, like, his bad analogy aside yeah um i mean i think I think As you were saying, we're already there. We're, we're yeah, we're there are we're people on the way there. Deeply if we're not, wallowing in hate on, and they see it as like a virtue. If they're yeah. not, if they're not, if they're not filled with hate all the time, they're not, they're not, uh, they're not fighting the man well enough. They're not fighting the patriarchy and the oppressors and all that. Right. If you're not mad, you're not paying enough attention. Right. And then, yeah. then you're a bad person for not, uh, and, and you're a bad person for not looking at the stuff that makes you mad. And if you look at it and you're not made mad, then you must agree with it. and You're a bad person. Yeah. Like. Like, Any, I anyone think, who could I think say, we're already in the revolution of hate that he was worried worried about four years ago. Hundred yeah. percent, and it's it's interesting because you know this has been the longest four years of I bet anyone we know knows life, right? Mm -hmm. um, I can't believe it's been four years. I I you know I remember November eighth or ninth, twenty sixteen, like it was yesterday, mm -hmm. and uh, it like. Every every day you're thinking, well, you know, this will be over soon, and then it just dragged on for fifty thousand years, getting worse. And yeah, and so like, no doubt that this 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 will have been and demonstrated itself to be. There was enough time for all of this during all of this to have all these huge cultural shifts. Mm -hmm. And so yeah, I mean, you know, before I can't imagine uh, even being introduced to people who would say, "I want to da I want to dance on their grave," mm. right? Yeah, um, and certainly depending on whose grave it is, and you're like, that's your version of disagreeing with somebody? Right. Like, it, okay, you don't like the blog post they wrote, but holy shit. Yeah, like it's um, not even someone who's murdered people and raped people and stuff. It's just someone who wrote a blog post that you disagreed with. And and so like I could, I could, I could imagine breaking bread five years ago with somebody who would say I, I would, you know, love to dance on uh, at that time. It would have been, you know, whatever... Uh, um, who was the uh, vice president, you know, Dick Cheney's grave or something, right? Okay. Um, where where I get the feeling that Bush is kind of just more in, I mean, no doubt, no doubt there's sinisterness and stuff. Yeah. He ha he definitely succeeded at his air of like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. W and so it makes, yeah. makes him like seem less culpable. Right. But Cheney like had the doofus that was taken advantage of. Right. Yeah. But Cheney has none of that, right? Right. And so like, I could imagine breaking bread with somebody in 2008 who had said, I can't wait to dance on Cheney's grave. Um, I can't imagine someone saying that, what else was I doing in 2008? Who would say that about, uh, you know, 
whether it was Richard Dawkins or Dinesh D'Souza, mm. right? Those are just, you know, Dinesh turned out obviously to be the worst person. Um, Did he? Yeah. Okay. Uh, he's a felon, uh, fraudster and stuff. Okay. I think he got a pardon. Um, huh. I'll double check. I wouldn't be surprised. A Trump pardon? Probably. Okay. Uh, uh, don't quote me on that. I'll have to look it up. But I feel like I saw his name when I was reading through the list. I just, just for my daily dose of outrage porn on uh, inauguration day, I skimmed through the list of hundred pardons that hundred and something pardons Trump gave, and okay. it's amazing how you remark- were acknowledging your hate kink. <laughs> I get well. I I was also just kind of curious what the damage or would indulging be. the hate kink. I guess it, it maybe a bit, but I was also like I said, large part of it was just legit curiosity. Mm-hmm. And like I'm wondering because I wanted to see, you know, is Ivanka's name going to be on here? Is mm-hmm. he going to pardon himself? Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that would have been the top of the article. You know, Trump pardons himself, but yeah. I was just curious. You know, did he did he did he pardon Giuliani? No. Yeah. Um, so a lot of it was he curiosity there. Pay him. <laughs> didn't even pay him. Um, but Dude. I mean, like he pardoned people that, you know, so the, the rumor, I don't know what you call it, I guess not substantial enough to bring him to court yet about it, but he was alleged to have been soliciting money for pardons mm. at 2 million right. pop, oh. which, which would explain how like, you know, the guy that did millions of dollars worth of insurance fraud and on, uh, giving people medicine they didn't need, which caused deaths and blindness and fucked a lot of lives up that guy got a pardon okay. like why on you know it's one thing to pardon snowden you know and whether or not you agree whether, whether or not you agree with him yeah. you know but like that that you could get like that's the kind of pardon i imagine existing that if there's any excuse for the pardon power to be a thing it would be for cases like that yeah like oh yeah well this this whistleblower or fucking you know martin luther king jr broke the law by you know not getting a permit for this rally but mm-hmm. i'm giving a, giving him a pardon because he did the right thing mm-hmm. like that that sounds like a good use, use of the pardon power to pardon a guy who who didn't do any good for society and just harm people yeah. that blows my fucking mind yeah. and so uh why did i bring all that up um we were talking about about uh, the uh the hate revolution yeah something about that i don't know how this came up i'm clearly subbed up in the hate um <laughs> I, I bet if I re-listened to it, I could I could get there, but I'm not uh, I think you know, a good way to do that while recording. Mm-hmm. So, what were you gonna say? Sorry. Oh, I was just gonna say one just one of the reasons I love Scott Alexander and what is used to be SSC but is now Astral Codex Ten is that like he never ever gets swept away in that, and I don't know if he just like doesn't hate things or if he has a really healthy support system of people that he can like hate next to and they can all have hate parties together or whatever it is they do or i don't know but he he never ever does that he's always reasonable and and measured and calm and there's there's never like a seething loathing that that gets through like just a vilifying of the out group in his public writings I get I get the impression that he doesn't feel a lot of vilification of the hated out group in his life, but that could just be because he does such a convincing job of it in his writing. Mm-hmm. You know, it could just be that he has decided, or he decided early on, like, I'm not going to let that be part of my writing. Maybe he's just uh, that good of a person. It could be. Yeah. But at the very least, he, he when he has the time to carefully lay out his thoughts, he leaves that aside, right? Yeah. Um, but it doesn't even doesn't even sneak in the way you would imagine that if it was, you know, if it, if it was there right. and, you know, it doesn't even sneak in like if he was trying to hide it. Yeah. Um, yeah, but the, you know, again, well, so we're talking about people, you know, are, are we in the middle of a hate revolution? Probably. Yeah. I don't know. That people have been suppressing it for so long that it's just bursting out now. I wonder if it's suppression or if it's just like, my, my impression is that these people feel like they've just, they've, they've had enough, mm. you know, and maybe they saw where being nice got them. It got them four years of Trump. 
No. And so like... I mean, four years of Trump was a backlash against their constant bigotry and hating on... Like what you said about... They, they uh, didn't hate hard enough. <laughs> well, no. I mean, what you said about uh, the people on in the, you know, on the right that they hate our our Christian values. They hate that we love our guns and our Jesus and all that. I think that's entirely true. I think all the people did hate that. They just pretended not to. They would, you know, call them the flyover states and... And... Make, like, fu- make pretend, fun of gun ownership. Yeah, yeah. And... They, they would call them a basket of deplorables, I guess. They would pretend that they were full of love and everything, but they hated them and you could tell and they could tell. And I think that's why, that's one of the reasons Trump got elected. And that is when things kind of started falling apart and people stopped suppressing the hate so much and we got into the new hate revolution. Yeah. I'd be curious to read if this guy wrote a follow-up four years later. Um just to, to now an, analyzing what we've seen since, because like we, I, I don't see people suppressing their hate. I see pe- people, if you're not hating, you're not, you're not caring enough. I see some and, people still trying. And again, I'm, I'm not out there very much. So what I see is very limited. Yeah. Um, I think that's, yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's part of what has driven me away from the left is that I'm still pretending I don't hate things and they aren't anymore and we couldn't abide each other. Well, but then, I mean, would you be a better person if you were screaming right alongside them? No. So that that's that's where I get tied up with this is like. But I mean, I've know, never. I've also. Yeah, I don't know. That that's why I feel like maybe this this article almost hit the point pretty well, but I feel like it 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 set itself up too high to try and equate these two and and like the sex revolution or the pos- sex positivity and hate positivity. Mm. Um, like so that that's where I was like oh I ripped it a new one cuz mm-hmm. the points that I think it was trying to make it could have made more clearly yeah. and like the the whole thing about um just I don't know so I guess what what would my takeaway be then all right so I'm convinced you know if you if you wrote this article 300 years ago I'd be like okay you're right my whole obsession with sex is ridiculous people should just be allowed to do whatever they want I feel I feel you know I've come around mm-hmm. that's the update I made from this what what update am I supposed to take away from this I mean, it can't. It it, I, I, it certainly well, can't be analogous to how I should feel about sex if I'd come around three hundred years ago, right? The the what he says at the end is that there's actions that deserve to be condemned, and individuals and ideas for whom the hot fury of flame or hate is appropriate. And then he says, hate is like sex. There are certain times, places, and contexts where it's appropriate. There are many, many others where it's not. You can recognize its place in life without having to act it out on every occasion. And in fact, the more conscious you are of its place in life, the more completely you acknowledge it and give it its due, the less likely you are to get blindsided by it. That's true of sex and it's true of hate. And maybe... How is that true of sex? Like other than people not having sex and sex with each other in front of in front of me in, in line at the bank. Yeah. Like, what what is he talking about? <laughs> I feel the way this analogy is, is tripping me up. Well, I, I think... No, I think he's right. There's a lot of times, places, and contexts where sex is not appropriate, like in the workplace. Sure. Even just like flirting is probably a bad idea in the workplace, even though... I mean, I mean, is, was anybody even in the midst while they were wallowing in the, the, the horrors of the sexual revolution in the 1960s and 70s, was anyone saying we should be allowed to have sex at work? I mean, there was a lot of sexual, I guess you would call it harassment now, but they, like, it wasn't viewed as harassment then. And a lot of times, sometimes it wasn't even like... It was considered okay to be sexual and flirty at work, depending on your workplace. 
Okay, yeah, I guess I'm picturing uh, sex as like literally just sex. Okay, and so like, but but yeah, the 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 foreplay, the 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 enticement, all that stuff. Okay, yeah, the the stoking the flames, whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Um, I mean, I have no issue with people flirting with flirting with each other in front of the line or in front of me in line at the at uh fucking Chipotle, right? Yeah, I mean, if they I want, don't either. Yeah. yeah, and it it would be weirdly prudish of me. To, I mean, so maybe it is really prudish of me. I don't like watching people make out. Mm-hmm. Like if I am standing behind them in line at, at Chipotle and I haven't stood in line at a place in a while, but back in the day, mm-hmm. um, if people are making out and I can, you know, and it's like, you know, I, I'm not, maybe I'm old, maybe I'm prudent. It's like, you know, I, I, I just don't think I like watching. Mm-hmm. And when I'm trying to look at the menu and they're right here yeah. and I'm pointing like just my line of sight there, right. like I can't miss it. And yeah. it's like, I don't want to, I don't want to watch you guys make out. See, I don't mind the making out so much. I always think that's, it's kind of sweet to have those expressions of love in public. Mm, let's push but, our food holes together. Yeah. Right. That's what food <laughs> holes are for. <laughs> but I was thinking more along the lines of like, you know, having a pinup calendar in your cubicle at work mm. that that is just, you know, like pretty girls off to the side that you like to see. They ain't nothing wrong with that. But it, you know, you don't want that at work. It brings a sexually charged, like, atmosphere that you just, you don't want that there. It's not a place for it. It's It'll be distracting for lots of people. It might even be distracting for yourself, you know. Maybe that's half the point. You can't stand your jobs. So you're trying to distract yourself with pretty girls. But, like, the that's the sort of thing where you don't want to pin a calendar at work. And people would have that back in the day. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, I see the analogy. So, then... What was the the point he was making? He'd said that you know acknowledging it, giving its place. So where is its place? Hates place that is. So we've acknowledged that sex's place isn't in the cubicle at work yeah. in any form, really. Yeah. You know, maybe you know if I'm having a conversation with my wife on the phone and being cutesy or something, that's different. Right. right, right. But you know, I'm not going to have a salacious photo of somebody you know as my desktop wallpaper or whatever, right? Well, I mean, I um, think keeping sex and politics out of the workplace is a good thing, which is part of the you know hate is basically the politics part of that right politics is hate yeah. <laughs> yes yeah so that's that's keeping politics out of the workplace but you know you can talk sexy shit jokes flirting with your friends and maybe that would be also an appropriate time for grousing about how the jews are taking over the world or <laughs> um as a joke obviously not really but like yeah no i i, I wasn't not responding because the joke i was just trying to think of um like, you know, if, if you're flirty and uh, sexually free with your friends, I can, I can see that as just being, you know, more in true with yourself and everyone's happier. Yeah. If I get together to have a good hate sesh with my friends, yeah. do any of us have a good day after that? Maybe. I I mean, that's what trolling is, right? Are they happy? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I, I'm I, not the kind of person that likes that sort of thing. That, just like it. there's people who don't like, you know, getting together with friends and being flirty and salacious. Right. That's not their jam. When I when I put the question that way to myself, I can absolutely think of examples where I've gotten together with friends and railed on something or some some society thing or some group of people or whatever, mm. and it is a grand old time for an hour to be like, wasn't don't these people suck? Oh my god, yeah, let me tell you my story. Oh no way, you hear this? Yeah. It is a, a a way to pass time in an engaging way that I didn't come out of feeling worse off, right? Yeah. Um, it's so maybe that's what he's saying is don't pretend that's not hate. I guess so. Yeah. Don't don't think that you're above hate, that you're not a hateful being just the way that the Victorians thought they weren't sexual beings. Or not hateful, because that makes you sound like all of it is hate, but you know, 
A person capable of it. Yeah, a person not only capable of it, but sometimes motivated by it. All right. I, Acknowledge I, that and and accept it. We we might have done this at the top, or we might have we might have ought to have done this at the top of the episode. Hmm. Does hate just mean exactly what we think it means? The 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 harsh negative emotion. I would think of hate as uh I I, I know I know we talked about this last episode too, but I think of hate as a combination of anger and loathing that makes you want to see somebody suffer. Okay, so I haven't quite shared the makes people suffer part. Okay. Like, the, if I if I had those, I mean, so I think it was at my bachelor party where you, we told him about Mitch McConnell and we had that that joking conversation in the hallway. And then I think... He felt better when you thought about him suffering, right? And you, I think, were even the one who's like, well, he shouldn't be in pain. Right. And and so, like, don't get me wrong, you weren't wrong to say that. But, like, um, I don't know if... Uh, I'm not sure if that's the... I'm like, was I... Was I in denial? No, you're fine. I, that's not what I was thinking of. I was just thinking like, uh, I, I imagine like I've had I've had conversations with people where it's like, oh my god, aren't these people the worst? Mm. You know, and you know, whatever group it is. Mm. I mean, the we all we all sat and didn't quite make fun of, and I think we were quite charitable to the insurrectionists, and you know, last yeah. month. Yeah. Um, but like that was basically us having fun, patting each other on the back for like how dumb and, and wrong these people are, right? Yeah. But it wasn't us saying, and I hope, man. You know, like the one who fell and broke his leg. I don't know if anyone did. I'm so glad that he's going to limp for the rest of his life. None of us said or thought that, right? Right. Um, or maybe maybe some of us thought that, but I, I like... I kind of wish we had Wes on this episode because he is my example of someone who, like, acknowledges and embraces the fact that he hates some things and is okay with it, and some people, and is okay with it. Because I think he's pretty functional. Yeah, I mean, I... I, I and think... is just willing to say, yeah, I hate these people and fuck them. Well, I guess then my question to the hypothetical Wes's of the world is like, does that is that an avenue to making the world a better place? Are you going to reach the people and and or maybe that's just not your job? Maybe yeah. you don't care to. Yeah. But I mean, if you've ever had a conversation with somebody and brought them around to the the right side of of an issue as you as you understand it, yeah, it's immensely it's rewarding. Definitely better. Yes. Yeah. And like you know, I I've 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 had conversations where I've talked. And I've never, I guess, sat down with somebody of Proud Boy level hatred or whatever mm-hmm. like that I had to talk with. But I've, I've talked to people who, you know, uh, were what hate-filled people would call transphobes, but I would just say we're, we're ignorant about this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to the point where they were even like annoyed about, you know, some of the issues that of trans rights activism and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I would I would talk with them and then at the end they'd, 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 they're like, I, I hadn't thought of it that way. You make a compelling point. Yeah. And like, that's immensely rewarding. And you don't get there if you just say, fuck you, I hate you. Yeah. Well, I think there's a social um, advantage, a sort of defensive advantage to being seen as spiky. That if you, you know, try to hurt me, you will be hurt in return. And that's what hating will get you. Like, people will, will say, you know, that group hates me. I'm not going to go fuck with them. And of course, you would much rather, like you said, have the conversions and... and um, and have everyone be more net sum working together positive but uh lacking that having some defensive air of you know don't fuck with us because we hate you and we'll hit you if you come over here might be adaptive in situations yeah and you know like you and i will never get a chance to bring donald trump to the light side of the force so if you and i wanted to you know hang out and and shoot the shit for an hour about how much he sucks and how how uncomfortable we hope his jumpsuit is when he's in prison. Like, you know, that's that's more of the uh, 
like the appropriate place for hate that the author is talking about then. Yeah. Um, and I, and while that might not be a productive conversation because we're not getting anything done, we're having fun, yeah. right? I mean, I guess like lots of times, nothing has to be, not everything has to be productive. Lots of times hate is reserved for people that um, you fear for some reason because they've harmed you or you're afraid they're going to harm you. Like you can hate Trump because he had a lot of power. You can hate the people that were trying to sue you because they were trying to take things from you and were, you know, showing a willingness and ability to at least try and impose costs on you. Like lots of times hate is defensive, right? Isn't that why the, some of the homophobes that, that really hated the gay people were hateful that way because they themselves were gay and were trying to fight against it. Yeah. And I, maybe I'm reaching at this point. Well, no, there's definitely something to that with the, I mean, it, it happens too often for it to be a coincidence, right? Yeah. Um, you know, you get a, a pastor, who's just been anti-hate pro gay conversion therapy their whole life. And then you catch them doing blow off the, you know, erect penis of a mm. male prostitute. And like, and like generally the people who hate Jews are people who are also scared that they're taking over the world. Right. So hate doesn't sound at all beneficial in those ca contexts. Well, no, but in part that's because they're wrong. So like it might make sense to, like correctly hate the invading alien species who's trying to wipe us out if they were real right or al-qaeda i i think it's right to hate them yeah. they do terrible things they hurt people they want us to stop existing and impose their values on us which are abhorrent to us i think it's entirely right to to hate them is it possible to hate like a set of ideas without hating the adherence of it like, because I mean, there are reformed. There are people who who left Al Qaeda and said, I "Fuck know. that! I can't believe it. They were horrible." But all ideas reside inside people's brains. Yeah, I guess if like that's a deeper conversation that we would have to spend more time on. Yeah. All right. So here's here's my dictionary's definitions of hate. Okay. And one of the examples is I hate Mexican food. So like mm. that's not that's very different. Right. We're not talking about that kind of hate. So we've got the verb hate slash detest, dislike intensely, feel antipathy or aversion towards. And then there's the noun, the emotion of intense dislike, a feeling of dislike so strong that it demands action. That I like. The, I like the second one there. Yeah. Because like intense dislike, you know, that's that's the verb. I hate onions, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, that the, demands the, action. The action is I won't cook with them or whatever, right? But like, no, the action is I will destroy all <laughs> onions in the world. <laughs> so, yeah, it's I guess, and I and I'm not going to the to the dictionary to define reality. I'm just trying to figure out if we're talking about the same thing, and I think we are. Um. All right, so let, let's. I want to go back to the what he was saying that we should do. Um, oh, you, you had a thing: quick digression into the into to like the lightning. Oh yeah. Okay. So this is just a little note, but um, mainly because on the Discord, Wes has been push, push, pitching to like the lightning to be our next book club book, which is a great book by Ada Palmer. I did an interview with her. Uh, it was wow, it's great. But one of the things it's set in the distant-ish future several hundred years in the future and a uh, society you know advanced in a lot of ways but they have gone back uh they have readopted the idea that uh sex is not something that should be really discussed in public to the point that uh they don't even acknowledge the biological sex of humans everyone has uh they them pronouns except of course for our for from uh our protagonist he is first of all insane and also an outcast from society. 
Uh, so he genders everyone that he runs across, but because he was raised in a society that doesn't have genders, he's misgendering them constantly and doesn't know it. It's really cool. But anyways, in Two Like the Lightning, they have suppressed uh, all their sex deeply, much like the Victorians did. And Do for they the like most... not acknowledge that's where people come from? No, no, no. I mean, they, they acknowledge some realities of it, but that ends up being one of the uh, conflict points in the books is that when they run into someone who has acknowledge the fact that sex is a human drive and that people are driven by it and no one is willing to admit this so she exploits the hell out of it to uh redirect uh powerful people to do things she wants to do because she knows they're motivated by this thing and no one else is willing to acknowledge it and she she knows a you know secret engine working within them that they can't acknowledge and so she has some way to change their actions that yeah. It's 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 a really cool way to, you know, show how denying reality and denying that we have certain drives uh, can give other people power. And I think, you know, that the, was part of Trump's thing. Like, yeah. he knew people were motivated by hate, and he exploited the fuck out of that. Do you remember the... On the, both sides. The, the enormous concern of the... the the caravans marching towards the border of, of, of immigrants right up until November of 2018, and then they vanished... The, like this, this was, I, this was parodied I, nonstop yeah, I do as, remember this, that. as this enormous concern. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. oh my God, they're coming! They're gonna, they're gonna uh-huh. do whatever it is they do when they get here. What happened run in November vote. of 2018? They stopped talking about it because they're never real, and the right, election right. was over. Oh, and the election was over. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So <laughs> th- this was all there for election fuel, yeah. and then the second that the election was over, the, these these caravans mysteriously vanished, mm-hmm. and were to, were to never be talked about again. Um, it's like. It, it, so it reminds me kind of like that, right? Mm-hmm. So, oh yeah, and it's it's almost not a good analogy because they were allowed to open, openly acknowledge the hate. Yeah. But if this was 15 years ago, they might have been more closeted about the hate aspect of it and just talked about the security and and the the American way or whatever, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think the fact that we spent a lot of time not really talking about hate I was was a thing that Trump was able to use. He's like he knew everyone has some hate in them and that it motivates them, and he used the fuck out of that. And really got the left to go fucking nuts when he managed to, you know, overcharge and explode their hate engines. And uh, we've been seeing the effects of that for a while. He was just like, I know you got that engine in you. Let me keep pouring more nitro in there. So, like, should Biden be focusing more on a message of hate and, and like, getting people amped up to be angry and, and uh, make that, you know, use that? emotion to to charge action no not at all but the fact that we were hiding it for so long meant that we had a secret lever inside us that he was someone was able to exploit and so what's the so the solution to that is to just be open about the fact that you hate people yeah and that we have that that weapon can't secretly be used against you right but then it can just be you know like it was in 2018 just firmly used against you I, i think that would be better than the secret use against because you you end up having much worse um i don't want to use the word perversions but much worse perversions and exploitations when people can't acknowledge that this is a thing within them that is being exploited hmm i i can see that uh yeah and certainly i mean there's there's also just something disingenuous you know arguing with somebody who pretends like their motivation isn't what it really is yeah um and you know, I don't like, again, to play the mind-reading games, but sometimes you don't have to pretend, right? Yeah. Like, they're, or you're not reading minds, you're just reading what they're saying. And so, you say it's not hate, but you use the word, would love if they died a lot. Can, <laughs> yes. you, can, you, can you explain that? Yeah. Um, 
Like I think a lot of the fact that we have things like scissor statements in the modern world and we have so much scissor outrage statements? porn. Oh, you don't remember the, you didn't read the scissor statements story? No. Oh, okay, great. It's a it's a you're going to love the story, but it's basically a statement that is obviously true to anyone who sees the statement said, but uh, depending on who you are, it is either obviously true one way or obviously true the exact opposite way. And when you discover that someone exists who thinks it's obviously true the exact opposite way, you want to destroy them forever because how could they be so wrong, you know? Is there a good example? Uh, yes, many. Um, I'm afraid to say any of them because... <laughs> just, just don't say which side you come down on and you should be safe. <laughs> Or, or if we want, we can save it for later. I'm just well. Okay, so I, I don't sweat it. I, I've heard this one personally. Um, the cops involved in the George Floyd killing didn't necessarily do anything wrong. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So some people wait. Some people would say that is obviously false, and duh, oh, everyone so, oh, knows so, that. So the the the, the scissor statement is. That's an obviously yeah, it's incorrect just... or correct statement depending on who you say it to. Right, right, yeah. Gotcha. I think the 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 sharper scissor there for me would be like they they didn't murder George Floyd. Right, right. Um, which, they were justified in some way. Which or, is, yeah. well, well, like the and don't get wrong. I I'm not uh, I'm not defending this argument, but this is one I've heard. Mm-hmm. Like they because let's assume that they're not complete fucking idiots. They're just you know regular people. Mm-hmm. Um, they're being filmed mm-hmm. and they knew they were being filmed. Yeah, yeah. They were not about to just, you know, murder someone on film. Right. Yeah. They, the, the, the guy leaning on him probably just thought he was restraining him. Yeah. Not that he was choking him out to death. Right. That's my guess. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't think that it, it's entirely possible. He was brazen enough to say, watch me murder this fool. <laughs> um, and he was just, he was really that, that bad and dumb. Mm-hmm. I think it's more that he was just that dumb and, and, everything else around the situation was as pig-headed and fucked up as possible yeah. and it led to the death of this guy it, it's so uh like like i said i'm not, I'm not necessarily taking the uh, a side on that but i can see how someone could you know some non-stupid person could say he didn't you know when you use the word murder you know you picture what we were talking about sneaking in and doing to al-qaeda people right yeah. like that that's different. Yeah. Um, he killed the guy. No one's gonna. Right. No one. The guy's dead now. Yeah. Anyone. And, anyone who dies, that's an idiot. Mm-hmm. Um. Or a conspiracy theorist or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, or who's that congresswoman who everyone's giving shit for because she's literally the worst. Don't remember her name, Which but I know who you're talking about. And she represents Colorado. No. Um, wait. Isn't well one of the one of these nut jobs does. So, Son of a bitch. Hold on. Okay. Let me let me double check. I got to make sure it's not the same person. I thought it was Wyoming. Well, in any case, there's there's one in Colorado okay. uh, who, she was the one who was tweeting Nancy Pelosi's location during the insurrection. Oh, Jesus. Um, okay. She might not be the one that's saying Jewish space lasers are turning the frogs gay or whatever it is they're worried about. <laughs> yeah. um, but that one, uh, I think she did have some of her, like, board seats or something stripped from her because that's insane. Um, anyway, why'd I bring that? Oh, because you'd have to be that level of crazy to say that George Floyd didn't die, but right. she is that level of crazy, you know. Oh, yeah, those those kids in that mass shooting were actors or whatever. Right. Didn't, Nobody really died in that. Yeah. Goddamn. Um, so, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, so that's a scissor statement, I guess. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I hear you. So, how did scissor statements come up again? Um, oh, because I was just thinking that, like, we, we have a lot of outrage porn. We have the tax, toxoplasma of rage nowadays. We have scissor statements really popular like these are things that drive media that drive clicks this is how people make money and maybe if we didn't have all this suppressed hate in us we wouldn't be so easily exploited by hate mongers basically 
if if we were more in touch with our hate we would like okay so i know this is a fictional example but the jedi strike me as a perfect example of an order that was absolutely out of touch with the hate within them yeah like they were like no we have no hate hate is the dark side like you're a human being man i mean i guess they technically might not have been because this happened in a galaxy far, far away. But uh, we were presented with humans. And the the fact that they pretended not to be hate is what led to all the dysfunction within the Jedi Order. And why and their failure to acknowledge anything like that happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And why they ended up being like these basically mercenaries going around killing people trying to impose their own order on the universe. Yeah. I, all right, so quick digression on Star Wars. There's another subreddit I like called uh, Brand New Sentences. Mm-hmm. And this was a screen cap of a tweet. Star Wars facts. Contrary to popular belief, George Lucas said Jedi are allowed to have sex. Oh. I'm quoting George Lucas. The Jedi Knights aren't celibate. The thing that is forbidden is attachments and possessive relationships. <laughs> so you can have sex with someone as long as you aren't attached to them. So uh. the, re- the reply tweet was, imagine being a Jedi, just finished clapping cheeks, Shadi says I love you before leaving, and you turn around like, may the force be with you because I won't. <laughs> um so yeah i if if the jedi uh, i can't torture the jedi analogy too much because we can't generalize from fictional evidence but yeah where where would this help us if if you can if you can help me find an example in my life where i could be better off acknowledging my hate of stuff then i'll then i'll give you a a base point i mean i think it's just a general acknowledgement of who you are and how your psychology works just not not being in denial i don't i can't think of anything personally well because that was we were talking about like hate mongering and stuff like that and how mm-hmm. it's easier to do to people who are you know closeted hatists mm-hmm. rather than than brazen hatists well i'm not sure you're a closeted hatist though I, I think you're pretty open about the few people you hate and that you are generally a very not hateful person so and then i guess i'm also skeptical i feel like it's harder to rally closeted hate people than it is to rally openly hate people oh i I think those closeted hate people very quickly became openly hate people. Well, that, that's and then at that point, it's I, I, I'm not saying I'm like convinced, but I'm skeptical. If you told me that, oh, I see. Well, okay, um, so before that, um, they they were rallied in the sort of snooty upper class way where you don't acknowledge uh, your hate, but you're still banding together against the the evil people. Like uh, back in the day, the British people who just casually oppressed and genocided the 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 people and the natives in the colonies that they conquered and uh didn't really remark on it at all because it it wasn't a thing it is not spoken of we will just stay in solidarity and i think that was the same kind of thing you would see in the uh i guess nowadays they would call them the liberal elite or whatever where they would just uh you know acknowledge that the people in middle america are filthy beasts and we're better than them and we don't really have to acknowledge them or care about them and if they happen to, you know, die of meth in their trailers, well, maybe they shouldn't have been such hate-filled bigots. And would the situation there, granting the, you know, leaving aside the moment, the point where there, anyone's ever thought that string of thoughts before, but something like that, probably, sure. Mm. Um, would they? Would would the world be a better place if they were open about that, or would it be a worse place? So the so, argument in this article is that it would be a better place. Yeah, that, that's that. If that, they were open about that, it. that's what I'm hearing from it too. So then I'm wondering if 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 I believe that, and I guess like well, you know what? Uh, if I think about it, 
in in real time, which I'm great. I'm sure it's just great listening. Um, hmm. I, he, my thinking sounds really interesting. Uh, if they if they wore their 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 true beliefs on their sleeves, then you could engage them where they actually are, mm-hmm. rather than engage them where they pretended to be, so they can Mott and Bailey away from you. Yeah. Right. And I mean, part of it is I don't think they're pretending necessarily. They're suppressing, like they don't think or they didn't think that they had hate. They would have never thought those exact words because they're the loving people but we don't hate the sinners we hate the sin exactly yeah yeah all right and then when it comes out oh you guys actually do hate the sinner yeah. then you can at the least sinner. engage them where like on the um, a, on a train closer to reality yeah all right like now you yeah now you're engaging with other people that you may hate these other people but you're engaging with them as people and not as like a beastly horrid things that are subhuman because they are hate-filled yokels or whatever right on all right so my takeaway on the article is that i think it could have been more persuasively written i think you made the case better than he did no, whenever okay. i had questions for stuff but i enjoyed uh reading it i certainly enjoyed talking about it so yeah. yeah that was fun can i end with a thing that he said of course okay he says it's one of the basic presuppositions of our culture again he's going to be over speaking here and you're going to disagree with this and i'm not going to disagree with you on it but that's just, I'll, just warning I'll, you i'll grant it yeah it's one of the basic presuppositions of our culture that we're supposed to become perfect and the way to become perfect we're told is to amputate whatever part of ourselves keeps us from being perfect the quest for perfection by self-mutilation doesn't work it's as simple as that We've given it every possible test down through the centuries, and it's painfully clear that one more variation on the same misguided theme isn't going to change the verdict. I wonder what he means by perfection. Like, you know, someone who doesn't hate people, doesn't have sex, is well, just... Well, but he, he's speaking more generally about, like, perfection by, perfection, perfection by self-mutilation. Like, is the Buddhist who, you know, seems to sincerely not have physical attachments to stuff... Um, are they mutilating a part of themselves because physical attachment to stuff is is super normal? I would argue yes. I think they might be mutilate in the in the context of the sentence. They'd be mutilating themselves, but Absolutely. I feel like they might be actually be bettering themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, like I mean, th- there's there's a, a level of you know to the extreme where you know if you know, are you if, ever if, going to see a Buddhist create a rocket and you know colonize another planet? I don't know if we've had enough, like, <laughs> hardcore Buddhists working in space technology to help me think about that. But you're right. Okay. If they don't it. care about possessions, why would they bother? Where, where's the where's the want to go to Mars come from if you don't have wants? Yeah. yeah. Huh. Yeah. So I guess, I mean, I don't know if that's necessarily tied to, you know, like, I had a car get totaled, I don't know, 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, it, I wasn't in the car at the time. I was hit in the middle of the night and I went out to go to work. And like I hit the clicker on my, my key thing. I look up and down the street and I'm like, I parked there. Where's my, what's going on here? And then I kind of just shrug and I head back inside. And I was at my parents' house and on the door, there was like, you know, the little business card of the police officer saying, we tried to wake you, your car's with these people. Um, and I know they didn't try to wake anybody because my parents had dogs that would have woken up. But um, so he clearly tiptoed up to the patio, delicately set that in the, in the door and ran off. But I called the the place and it was a salvage yard. And they're like, oh, yeah, sorry, Mr. Zuber, your car was uh, hit last night. Um, and I was like, oh, is the person okay? Like, oh, well, I have no idea. And I was like, well, I just put a CD player in literally yesterday. Can I come get that out? Mm-hmm. And she's like, you're taking this really well. And I'm like, well, what, am I going to be mad at you about it? Like, you didn't do anything. Yeah. Um, and she's like, well, you'd be surprised. People get mad at me all the time. Huh. Uh, you know, the bear bad news, I guess. Yeah. And so, like, I didn't care about my car, right? Mm. I 
I, I wanted the CD player out of it. And because I was nice, they, but usually what happens, the appraiser will come out, assess the car, and then they get it, mm-hmm. right? Um, what this junkyard let me do was they let the appraiser come out, assess it, then let me strip the car bare of everything I wanted out of it. Oh, nice. Floor mats, steering wheel cover, CD player, et cetera. Yeah. Um, so you kept the floor mats, huh? I just, I figured I'll take everything that I could lift out of the car. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> but uh, like my, I, I feel like my, my non-attachment to my car there had, you know, perfect corollary to the story. My car, when it got hit, pinballed into my friend's car parked behind me, mm-hmm. damaged his bumper. Mm-hmm. And he was furious. Mm-hmm. Um, granted, it was his was a car that cost 10 times as much as mine and he was making payments on because mm-hmm. my car was a cheap piece of crap. Maybe it cost 20, 20 times as much as my car. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was just a, you know, $30,000 new car. Mine cost fourteen fifteen hundred bucks from somebody down the street. So yeah. um, he was understandably upset. And yet... All this did for me was like, well, how am I going to get to work? You know, but I, I wasn't mad. And I feel like that was a positive, right? Yeah. So, so there's a level of, you know, having detachments from wants. Maybe there's something, the reason I'm making this point, there was actually no reason when I started, but I can drive it home mm-hmm. and say that there, there might be a place to, you know, have these, you know, this strong, detesting, hate-filled emotion, mm-hmm. but you can have it in a way that is like in way smaller doses than people often have oh, without, without same... eliminating it entirely. Yeah. He makes the same argument. Yeah, okay. there's a, a good medium. And we're not there. And most right. people who, you know, you'd know as hate pu- as, as hate people aren't uh, aren't there either. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Author guy. We get, we're getting along better now. Let me find his <laughs> name so I'm not just... It was... Uh, Michael something? Michael John Michael Greer. John Michael oh, Greer. Oh, that seems familiar. I know I've heard the name. I'll have to look into it later. Okay. All right. Well, cool. Yeah, that's, yeah, that was everything. I had fun. It was an interesting conversation. Yeah, and you know, if we get some feedback, and if Jace wants to talk about it, or maybe we said everything he wanted to say, or maybe didn't find that this interesting or something, mm-hmm. we might revisit the topic. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we go, we've got to thank. Oh man, I'm sorry. Uh, Carol William Akason. Akason. There's a, uh, not a tilde. A little umla. No, not umla. Is the two dots. What's the comma above a letter called? Oh, the that accent mark? Yeah. Maybe it's an accent mark? Uh, I'm sorry I butchered your name. I'll say it like three different ways, and I'll probably be wrong each way, but hopefully one of them is close. Carol William Akason, Carol Wyam Akison, and Carol William Akason. Anyway, however you say your name, I'm really sorry. You rock. You saved the day today. Yes. By, uh, none of us hate you here at The Breaking Conspiracy. <laughs> no. We have immense respect for you, and all of our listeners also are happy that you are here and donating to us, because uh, you have managed to bring this episode to everybody. Yes. You rock, and I'm really sorry. <laughs> I'm not a very uh, practiced, um, like, w- uh, I don't know, well-traveled reader to the point where I can say things properly. So Stephen really hates names, so he's <laughs> never gotten good at them. As, as a proud, bigoted American, I only know English, so everything <laughs> else that's not an obvious American, I just completely can't get my head around, so... That was in jest. You rock. Thank yes. you so much. You are awesome. Thank you. Thank you, everyone who helps support us. I mean, we we do this because you guys help make it possible. And it's fun. And it's fun. Yeah, that's true. But the help helps. Yes, it saw, does. Saw the budget breakdown for this one. We got the new mic stands. Yeah. Um, it's, it, yeah. You guys, I, it feels weird saying the same thing every time, so we should just find a good script and stick to it. 
that I, that has all the sincerity laid out, so I don't, I don't have to like feel sheepish about saying everything every time. But but if it's a script, there's no there's, there's no, no personality actual, to yeah, it. Yeah, no personality, no emotion. This way, we like have to actually come up with something, and they they pay for the him and ha of me trying to say thank you very much for your gracious support of the show. And yeah. uh, anyway, it means a lot. You guys all rock. It really does. Uh, okay, this has gone on for a while, so we should cut it now. Sounds good. All right, C- catch you back here in a couple weeks. Bye, everyone.